Blog Talk Radio. Everybody to Southern Sports Central here on a Wednesday, the sixth day of January. I'm Rich Yelvin, going to be joined here tonight for at least the first hour with Brandon Bisco Bing. He's also one of the many members here of Southern Sports Central. You can hear him live on Friday mornings uh, right here on Southern Sports Central from seven to ten, and that is the Sports Unlimited show. Without that, uh, with that, I say uh, I bring in Brandon to say good evening, Brandon, all the way from Grand Strand. We're covering you down here. Uh, in the low country, so we're coming at you from the top to the bottom of the coast of South Carolina, buddy. What's up? Yeah, it's it's been a crazy day today, that's for sure, but uh, time to get talking about a little bit of sports today. Yeah, and of course, uh, Brandon, talking a little bit about the craziness, and this is not a political show. This is not a left wing or right wing. This is a sports show, but say this. And, Brandon, I'll let you have a few seconds to say something if you'd like as well. But, guys, this is probably, to me, and I'm 42. I'll be 43 on the 15th. This is probably one of the saddest days of my life as an American. Okay, there, There's no reason for what's happened today in our capital for that to ever take place. Nobody should ever say a daggum thing about, well, they can only take so much. What? Are you kidding me? To be honest with you, at the end of it all, they're lucky to still be alive as they're crawling through the windows. That's the reality of things. There's got to be a consequence that has got to be massive. Here. This, to me, is, again, we become the laughingstock of the world, not just in, in the country. I'm talking about in the world. And, 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 again, no place for this type of activity. And you've got children watching this. You've got, you've got these, these kids coming to graduate high school who were very confused on a lot of things because of this COVID thing, and now you throw this in there. Again, I'm not a politically 
uh, guy. I'm never going to be that guy. I, I could care. You vote for who you vote for. You do what you do, but you do it the right way. All right. And it's mm. me. It saddens my damn heart. And I say that because it makes me angry when I saw what I saw today and I heard what I heard today for me to have to sit down with my four children and have to explain to them of how this is not how it goes. This right here is the complete opposite of why you should be excited about where you live at in America. Again, you know, I know someone was shot. Uh, I know a lot of people were probably maced, and, and there's a lot of conversations. And this is the only bit of this show that we'll talk about this, so I want to get this off the table early. But yeah. it is a very sad day, so we'll disengage from the politics of your life for the next three hours. Is the next hour. We're going to talk about the Heisman Trophy. We'll talk about the Natty. That's coming up hopefully on Monday. And the wild week is the wild card. All of that is going to happen tonight for the first hour with Brandon, of course, and myself. And you can call in at 1-323-784-9681. Again, call in at 1-323-784-9681. At 7 o'clock, we'll be checking in with a guy that does a talk show here in Charleston on ESPN radio that's luke morrow he is morrow middays over on espn radio he's also the voice of the citadel bulldogs we'll talk to luke around seven o'clock we'll talk about those same topics that i just mentioned and then at seven thirty, we kind of close the door on the epic 84 the senior bowl as we catch up with the head coach of the west team that fell a little short on saturday of course that's coach um, hanging out with us will be coach danny lewis as uh, he will catch in here and talk to us about his experience this weekend and how he feels about it when it's all said and done. I already know it's a lot of positive, so I'm excited to hear that. And then hopefully we've lined up, hopefully they've helped us line up their MVP players who all received those WWE, I would still say WWF, WCW belts as they were four <laughs> of guys in the West that walked out of there with some of that Ric Flair bling, if you will, at the Epic 84 game. Again, the final on that one, uh, you know, it might not have went the way you wanted it to out of the West as a 38-21 victory for the East. But, uh, again, it was well worth it. Great article uh, in the paper by uh, Roger Lee from the Somerville Journal. If you are looking for uh, some, uh, some literature on it, there you go. Go to the Somerville Journal. There it is. Uh, also, Channel 5, as uh, that team came down and hung out in the rain and hung out with us, took a few – good uh, i'd say live deals and then posted it out there but so many great photographers so many great guys and i don't know the actual word for it but they do the live stuff where they put in the videos and they do the music and all that stuff and i mean so many a guy all the way up there uh mark visions uh he's uh that's the name of his company up in greenville josiah over there with jay bryant productions um, okay, three sports, uh, the photographer that was down there on the sidelines. And, again, there were so many. And, and you hate to start because you know you're going to miss somebody. But it was it was epic, no doubt about it. We did what no one said it could be done. But, of course, Ken Brown and the South Carolina High School Blitz team and uh, Southern Sports Central along with Schutz and uh, Phenom Elite, they did the jerseys. Uh, of course, Schutz had the, uh, the package deal with all the ins and outs of uh, – of the helmets and the pads and all that good stuff, but just so much of so many that it took to put this thing together, not to mention the sponsors of the belts. I mean, there was a ton of those individuals as well, but I'll of course close the door on that conversation here tonight with the, uh, of course, Western side of the conversation. But uh, Brandon, again, uh, before we take a break, I'm, I, again, I, I want to give you a minute, man, because I feel like 
We are a sports show, but we live in a country where we can do this with our windows open and our doors open if we choose. We can do this in the street. We can go do this in the middle of our towns without worrying about somebody coming at us and, and stopping us because we have a freedom of speech. But there's also with freedom of speech and freedom of this, that, and the other, there's got to be a freedom of uh, – well, let's use the word common sense and responsibility mm-hmm. and maturity and all the things that I did not see when I got off uh, you know, some meetings earlier today and looked in my phone. I thought, man – do I do the show? And I thought, darn right, I do a show, but I wish, want to make sure that I give you a few seconds to kind of talk about it, man. Again, you're a little bit younger than me, brother, but this is something that I don't care how old you are. This is a, this is a sad day and definitely a bad look for our country when we're much better than this. Yeah, that, absolutely. It's, it, it's a sad day for the country altogether because, you know, the if, if you can't trust the process and you and and you have people trying to take matters into their own hands that's when democracy dies and hopefully over the next couple of years no matter what side you're on you know let's just try to you know it's supposed to be the united states let's start to get a little bit more united before you know it gets too far down the line where that is impossible. I think you nailed it there. We're united, not divided. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a divided United States. Listen, here's the deal. Whether you, you, whether you ride in on a donkey or you ride in on an elephant, I could care less. All right. Or you just ride in, however it may be. Here's, here, here's the conversation. Here, here, here's the, the, the honest conversation is that, it, it, it's a freedom of speech. You get the right to vote. There's a lot of uh, countries around the world that they don't get that right. And, and sometimes you win, and sometimes you lose. And athletes on this show, you guys know how this works. What if every time we didn't yeah. get what we wanted, we raised hell and high water and just did what we wanted to do, and it became a football game during the day and an MMA fight at night? That's not good. Yeah. Matter of fact, I saw basketball no. last year, high school basketball in the state, to where there was a lot of disorder. And it was like, it, it was mm-hmm. girls. To be honest, it was high school games, and it was girls fighting on the court. And then I saw it happening in the stands around the, around the areas. Mm-hmm. Not just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pinpoint a territory. You remember that? I don't remember that uh, specifically, but I've been to a number of AAU events that that same thing has happened at the tail end of games or right after games. So, yeah, you know, it's not a good look then. This is certainly not a good look now. But there may be a silver lining to this. But, you know, hopefully hopefully (laughs) people start to get their heads strained a little bit because I think a lot of people are starting to realize the damage that this is going to do. Well, you know, again, it's, this is the United States, not the divided States. And I understand that we could get into this one for the rest of the way, but I'm going to leave it here and say, I'm going to ask that you guys do what Brandon and I will do. We'll pray for our country. We'll pay, pray for those who, who seem to be lost and looking for direction. And uh, we just ask that you do us a favor. Please, parents that are listening, wherever you may sit tonight, speak to your children. Let them understand this is not the way we handle things. 
This is not the way you get no. the answers. This is no way, shape, and form, the way you will tell me, and I will ever agree with you, as I had a conversation with my father. Now, again, my father's in his 70s. I'm sitting here turning 43, and my father's talking to me as if I was talking to my son, explaining to me the ins and outs, because it doesn't stop. You never stop raising your yeah. children. I believe that. But, guys, I cannot stress to you enough, if you're an uncle in some young man's uh, life or an aunt in some young lady's life or you're a mentor or whatever it is, if you play a role in a life in this, in this United States of America, I'm asking you, this is the biggest moment you've got right now. You can coach them. You can teach them. You can tell them whatever it is in the game of sports. But it's the game of life that is an everlasting thing right here until God calls us home. You will stop playing a sport. You will never stop moving in this world until you get your number called and you go upstairs. Right? Till then, you got to do what you got to do. But I just hope and pray that, that we don't go so far back, as Brandon, I think you said that, that we just lose all sense of reality. Because then that was not reality. And that's I don't understand either. Go ahead. That, that's something that we talk about, you certainly talk about on your show, Mrs. B talks about on her show all the time, of, yes, we're helping kids get into college because of their athletic gifts, but we are focused more than the athletic part because, like we always say, the, you know, your, your sports clock is ticking. It's always hmm. ticking, and you only have a finite amount of time that you can compete in athletics. We want to teach, you know, young men and women how to be good people and understand how to, you know, live in this crazy world. And this is one of those big teaching moments to say, hey, what's going on over there is wrong. This is what you need to do. We need to trust our democracy and enough. Enough is enough. I agree with you. Let's take a break because enough is enough on this topic. I just, again, <laughs> wasn't going to talk about it, was going to talk about it, Brandon, but prayed about it. And it's probably like what many of pastors do. They probably sit there thinking that they got to figure it out and all this, that, and the other, but it all of a sudden says, hey, you got to do it. You got a voice. You got a platform. And you go out there and you lay it down and then move on. And let's do that here now. But again, parents, mentors, Anyone who, who has an opportunity to be an impact on a young person, that's where my fear stands. It doesn't per se stand with the adults, even though I'm disappointed in a bunch of them today. It stands with how do these young people see this and how do they portray this and how do they understand this? There's a rule book called Life that you got to follow, guys. We don't always like the result. Sometimes the character comes with how you see the answers that you're given, even if it ain't the answer you want. So let's do this. We'll take a break. I'm going to let Eric Thomas tell you a little bit about being stuck in adversity. We'll spend about four minutes with Eric and E.T., as they call them on uh, the World Wide Web. And we'll come back. We're talking right after this. We're going directly into the Heisman Trophy. Yep, they got a winner. He's got some bling, and there's a few guys that had to watch it happen all Zoom here in this incredible, weird, awkward season we've called college football. Guys, don't go anywhere. I'm talking about maxing out. Listen to me, y'all. Here's my, I don't play basketball, but if you watch my videos and you watch me, I will not walk out of life. I'm going to crawl out of life. When I die, <laughs> I promise you, when I die, I won't be. I won't have no energy left. Every practice, I don't want no energy left. Why? Because those other girls you're playing, they're young. 
and they're going to burn out by the second half because they're young. And what you're going to do is you're going to be the one to do it. Not, this is what I love about life. When you look at all other motivational speakers, I'm going to be looking at them, I'm like, ooh, they're ahead of me. I can get them out. Have an advantage when you homeless and eating out of trash cans. I flew first class today, right? It was so funny. I flew first class, and I guess it's a small flight, so when they served our meal, it was like a real turkey sandwich. You could see other people looking like I'm flying first class. That's wheat bread. I saw them too. I saw the way they was looking like that's wheat bread with cheese. It's not warm. It was like a I'm talking about like a middle school lunch that your mama would send you with, with a little small bag of chips. I murdered it. I was like, whoa, turkey. It was so much turkey, it was a cold cut. I took most of the turkey out, Lee, and just kept that much in there. I'm like, it's too much turkey. They looking like, how dare them serve me this? This is first class. I was home. Like, let's go. I used to, I didn't eat like this when I was uh, homeless. I didn't know when my next meal would come. Some of you, your problem is you can't deal with adversity. You look at adversity as something negative when it's not. Adversity is the best thing that ever happened to you. Why? Because when adversity happens, most people going to quit. Listen, we're going into the fourth quarter. I'm working harder now than I worked in January. Then I worked in May. I'm about to put it on now. Why? Because most of the people who do what I do, they're about to get tired. My son is 23. Lee, I promise you. We had a layover, went to my mama's house. He slept the whole time. He woke up and said, Dad, I don't know how you do it. I went and worked out. Did the hit boy. Walked with my mom for three or four miles with my niece, talked to my mom, got on the plane, got off, boom, did a presentation. They was like, fire pit. They was like, E, best presentation you did all this year. I can't wait to the fourth quarter. I can't wait to the second half because that's when talent goes away. All your talent gone with five minutes left, your legs about to give out. So who wins? Only the person that can go through adversity, that's when you start winning. So that's why you need to practice till you burn out. So when you get on the court, you'll never burn out. And they're going to burn out. They're going to burn out. I'm telling you. If you see it, it's like the game goes up and down and up and down. And the last four, y'all got to go watch Michael Jordan when y'all get a chance. He would always take a break at about maybe 10 minutes. He'd come back with six minutes left in the game. And he was. Mike would come in, and those last five, six minutes, he would kill you. He would kill you because he had so much energy and so much tenacity and so much strength. And listen to me. I noticed the Michael Jordan, and I'm old, so I don't believe in the Michael Jordan-LeBron uh, comparison. And let me tell you why I don't believe in it. It has nothing to do with offense because the way Mike played offense, he shut you down on defense. That's the difference. Mike didn't play one way. Mike wanted it so bad that he would put up 30 and he would stop his guy from scoring zero. That's the difference. He played both ways. How do you play both ways when you're not playing talent no more? You're not playing with talent. At that point, you done dug deep within. Okay, I wasn't even supposed to say this, right? But I got to be honest. I'm going to give y'all one more. I, I shouldn't say this until I come back halfway through the season. Do you understand the reason why I beat most humans at what I do is because the last 10% is the hardest percent? That's the hardest percent, ladies. The last five minutes of game, that's hard. Let me tell you what I mean by that. While the first. Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked 
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Brandon Bisnobing. You can hear him live right here on Southern Sports Central. Sports Unlimited rolls out on Friday mornings from 7, well, to 10. That, of course, is the only morning show that we do here on Southern Sports Central. And uh, some other things, Brandon, we'll get right into it right now. And, of course, uh, yesterday, last night, uh, almost uh, 20, what, six hours ago, uh, they did the Heisman uh, selection. As uh, about 21 hours ago, I guess now, but Alabama Crimson Tide junior receiver Devontae Smith is the winner of the 82nd Heisman Trophy, as announced via a virtual ceremony broadcasted on Tuesday night. Uh, he, of course, is the first full-time wide receiver to win this award since Desmond Howard did it back in 1991 for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Brandon, you and I talked about it. We actually put up a poll uh, that you, uh, of course, asked you yesterday to put this one up and, and kind of place it out there. And uh, no surprise to some, but to me kind of sort of, because I watched this poll kind of come out, and it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, uh, even though uh, this thing actually ran a little bit longer than it should have. But it, when it was said and done, it was uh, Devontae Smith with the lead and the win going into this one all the way up to the final moments of about 47 or 49, excuse me, to 47 to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Mac Jones had 3%, while Kyle Trask only had 1%. Now, 453 votes were tallied there. That being said, Trevor Lawrence was the front runner throughout the season at the beginning. All of a sudden, Devontae Smith becomes a hot hand, and then he gets that special teams and special things. I think, I feel like that was the one that propelled him over, of course, Trevor Lawrence. And then where did Mac Jones come from? Well, when you got wide receivers across the field and a guy like Devontae Smith to throw it to, you're going to get those votes. And I think kind of look at Cal Trask thinking, well, he's just glad to be here. Your thoughts on uh, the entire process from it being a first-ever Zoom meeting from their campus or wherever they were at to, of course, uh, the winner, first time in uh, since Desmond Howard in, uh, of course, 1991. Yeah, I mean the the fur the whole thing with the Zoom is you know we we've kind of come to expect it now at this point. We had the NFL draft via the Zoom meeting, the NBA draft, all of these different events as a result of the craziness that was 2020 and now going into 2021 as well. Uh, but in terms of the the winner, I think and and you and I talked about it off the air a couple of times. I think. The the thing that put Smith over the top was the the concept you mentioned it last time uh, Desmond Howard back in '91. Uh, you know the fact that no quarterback ha- or no non-quarterback has won it in a long time either. A right. lot of people were talking about oh if if Devonta Smith doesn't win it this time basically. Throw, throw out the concept of anyone being able to win it. It's just exclusively a quarterback award now. And I think that kind of – I mean, he's definitely deserving. I definitely think he was the most deserving of all of the candidates, with Trevor Lawrence being a close second. I And I'm wondering – I wonder how much the fact that he missed out on a game has an impact on – whether or not I wonder if Lawrence would have won the Heisman if he would have played in that first Notre Dame game 
But I do think that Smith was the right call. Uh, but I do think that the fact that a lot of people were saying, you know, if he's the he's the clear front runner, he's the one that should win it. And if he doesn't win it, does this basically mean that no running back or wide receiver or no non-quarterback can ever win the award for the foreseeable future? And I think that might have hung on the on the voters a little bit. And uh, you know, like I said. I think he was definitely the the clear favorite. He was the one that should have won it. But I'm wondering how much that had an impact on it as well. I think the two things that had the most impact on the voting were those two things. The fact that he was the the clear-cut favorite while being a non-quarterback and the fact that that Lawrence did not play in the first Notre Dame game. Yeah, and I think so, and I, I can understand you. And, and to kind of give you the votes here, now here was the final calculations of the votes. 1856 for Smith, who ended up winning the Heisman. Trevor Lawrence, 1187. That's 669 in the differential department there. Right after that, Mac Jones had 1130. Now the difference between second and third, only 57 votes. And then Kyle Trask, like I said, he's just glad to be here with 737 votes. Um, you know, as far as that goes, uh, you know, I, I, I see that and I understand that. But don't you think that the talent in the SEC, because let's just be honest, Notre Dame did not deserve to be in the final four, which no. is a whole nother conversation. I get it. And not really where we're at, but let's scratch the surface, because I feel like without question, the 12th man in Texas A&M, would have gave Alabama a, a, a much better game. It would have been game number two, but trust me, those watching it, those being a part of it, and just in general, us who talk about it, would have ended up coming out of this thing, who knows, possibly an upset or at least a better game. But I think, honestly, that Devontae Smith saw better guys on the defense weekend after weekend after weekend than you saw Trevor Lawrence saw week after week who he had to throw against on the other side of the football, which is not his problem. We are apples to apples here trying to look at something. And, again, it's, it's a good conversation and an even greater argument is Trevor Lawrence sees lesser than talent, while, of course, Devontae Smith is going against pretty solid DBs out of the SEC. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I, I can understand that logic. And while, yes, the SEC has more talent and has better teams on an overall level, it's not like you're playing against top-level teams every week. For every, you know, even Auburn wasn't, you know, I mean, they were good this year, but they weren't top-notch. But, you know, for every Texas A&M or Auburn that you're facing on a yearly basis, you're also having to face off against, you know, a Mississippi State or Ole Miss that's kind of, you know, Yes, maybe relative to other conferences, they're definitely better. But, you know, it's not like I, – I would say that a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss would be comparable to a Miami or a North Carolina in the ACC. So, you know, it's not like they're playing against heads and shoulders better competition. Um, you know, obviously certain games are the – the the amount of teams that are good in the SEC, I would say, are probably better. There is a larger uh, top tier in, in the SEC than there is in the ACC. But, 
I mean, any time, any big time program, it's going to have talent. Right. Well, and I agree with you. And and I don't say, and I understand that. That's a great point because everybody in college football, definitely the power five is the elite. That's just, that's, that's reality, right? They were the best of the best, wherever they came from, they held every trophy that they could imagine on Friday night lights all the way to the college campus before they were told, those trophies need to go back to mom's house because they don't mean anything here because here everybody came in here and all American, right? It's like asking you the question. And it's always the funny conversation of when they try to compare the worst team in the NFL, could they beat the best team in college? By God, they could. Because why? Because they are the best college athletes playing at the NFL level. They just may not gel as well as some of the mm-hmm. other guys do, but why we look at, you know, uh, the J E T S jets, 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 and some of these other teams, who are always the seller dwellers of the NFL, they're still all Americans on their college campus that most of them came from a power five conversation, correct? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, that's something that we always have the debates on of different, different teams playing different teams at different levels, but each level, you know, they say, you know, only about, you know, 20% of high school players make it to college and only about, you know, 5% make it into the NFL. So for every, you know, if you're the top player in your high school, you're, you may only be the, you know, third or fourth best player on your college team. And, and the same thing goes when you go up that next level as well. So it's, it's definitely apples and oranges when you're talking about different levels of competition. Now, great segue because, is there a difference in competition when it comes down to the game that's going to be held hopefully next Monday night? And again, we will be live until 7:30. At 7:30, we go, uh, of course, quiet so that you guys can turn on your TVs and watch the game, the pregame. So we'll be live for about an hour and a half on next Monday night. Um, but that one leading us to the game that's going to be over there at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Um, again, should be, could be, might be a good game, but Alabama heavily favored over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, the Buckeyes come into this conversation already. There's been some whispering, some, some, some conversations, some social media push on COVID. And now to me, how does this work? I think it's not a hard decision that you know that there's not another game to be played after this one. So they can push this thing back if need be. And some would say, well, Ohio State's trying to buy more time. I don't really know if there's enough time for them to buy if they said, we won't play you until September 2021, I think that same Alabama team would take out anybody else in the country. I think they're just that good. However, as I warned Clemson fans going into that game against Ohio State, that's a really good team. Whether they played six games or 16 or just two games, that's the best team Ohio State's had in a very, very, very long time. So I wasn't surprised by watching that game the other day when I saw them just handle Clemson and really exploit their secondary. But I think that's something that I think it would be a little bit better than some people think. I think Alabama's going to win this one. But I think that they're just deeper and deeper and deeper. And then not to mention, Justin Fields took a, took a pretty bad hit. And i got to be honest, I'm a football guy, and I'm all about collisions because this is not a contact sport. This is like gladiators. This is a collision sport. But that lowering your helmet, the crown of your helmet, Right there, that's, that is the textbook of what he did and what you don't do when it comes to the rule of targeting 
And again, I know people want to relate that to helmet to helmet, but it's not just that. It talks about the crown of your helmet. So again, you're going to get a Justin Fields who probably needs a little bit more time, maybe needs another week, because that's something that didn't just go away where he was hit. But your thoughts on Ohio State and the conversation of COVID and how this could push the game back from Monday to another day? Yeah, I mean, for for all the people, and, and especially with how the, you know, and I understand mo- most of the people, unfortunately, who are, are saying that, um, that they're trying to use this as a, you know, as a way of pushing back the game to give themselves more time. There are still the people that are still trying to say that it's not as bad as the flu, et cetera, et cetera. But right. the, you know, whether or not it it gets pushed back or not, I think, it, you know, if Ohio State has enough cases where they're not going to have a full team, wouldn't you – even even as just a regular college football fan, would you not? And and people talk about the different or the com, compare it to on the field injuries and and all of that, which is completely ridiculous because you're. It's one thing if you get an injury in the course of action, and that forces you to miss a game or miss a couple of games or miss a season or whatnot. That was in the right. course of a game. That was unpreventable. But this, you know, if, if they're missing a good chunk of their team, not to mention also the fact that when an injury happens on the field, it only affects one person. So right. with this, if it's spreading within the Ohio State team, if they're missing a good chunk of their players or even a, a few key players, that could make a big impact on the game. And wouldn't you, as a college football fan, no matter who you root for, obviously probably Alabama fans would probably enjoy the fact that, you know, they get an easier road. But outside of that, wouldn't you not, would you not want to be able to say, hey, we were able to face their best team? And, and as college football fans, would you not want to be able to say, hey, we saw the best game we could possibly see? So... If they need to push it back, they need to push it back. I'm perfectly fine with yeah. that. I mean, we, we saw it here. Obviously, high school is a little different because they were much more strict on it. But we saw it here in South Carolina with the 2A championship, and they pushed it back a week, and everything was fine. And they played the game, and we got a winner. So I think if, if they need to push it back, then so be it. At least we get the game. Thinking back to and, and you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, later on in the process, thought there's no way they're going to cancel the season. But there were a lot of times. There were times back in July that a lot of us were concerned and uncertain of, are we going to get a college football season this year? And now, and we got it. We were able to get through it, uh, albeit with some hiccups, obviously. That's to be expected with what's going on. But the fact that we were able to get through it and we were able to get to the national championship should be applauded. And if it needs to get pushed back another week, then so be it. And what's kind of good about it, uh, you know, I know there – I, I don't know what the exact protocols are for fans for the national championship. I know they're, I'm sure they're allowing at least some, but right. you don't, 
if you have to push it back a week, you don't have to worry quite as much about as many people being affected by it. Yes, it right. sucks for some people who may, you know, not be able to go as a result and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But right. this year, would you rather have a a sham of a game where one team is at, you know, half strength, or would you rather push it back and get a real game? Right. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, you asked about the, the fan number. The fan number is going to be right about 16,000. Now, that being said, this is also something I'm seeing, again, uh, coming out of here from, I'm, I'm trying to see, 11 Warriors, uh, trying to give the credit where credit's due, where that uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes will not have any tickets available for the general public. Uh, again, I'm not quite sure how that worked out, how they agreed to that terminology but, again, approximately 16,000 fans will be allowed to attend this coming up national championship game uh, over at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. Ohio State will not be selling any tickets to the general public. While the school received an allotment of 3,750 tickets for the game, many of those tickets will go to guests, players, and coaches. Those guests are who? That's your mama, that's your daddy, that's your grandmama. And family members, I don't know why they said yes, they should have said family members. While the remainders of the student donors and the Ohio State spokesmen had mentioned on Saturday. That, of course, came out this past Saturday. So, again, donors, mamas, daddies, grandmamas, they're all going to be a part of this conversation. And I'm sure some of the guys and girls who are involved heavily into the athletic department, I'm sure they'll have their basketball coaches there. Possibly, I would imagine, a lot of the support within that body of the the Buckeyes but but the other part of that conversation is they all got this right either way whether Clemson or the Ohio State Buckeyes get in they get it right in Alabama we knew one of these three teams two of these three teams were going to get into the national championship so with all the craziness as we've got about six minutes left of this segment maybe five we're talking a hell out of this but all that being said Brandon I they still got it right with all the craziness, we knew Alabama was going to be one of the best teams in the country coming in this year. We said that. We knew that. Guys that cover it, girls that cover it, we said Alabama's going to be really good. Clemson's going to be really good. And the Ohio State Buckeyes possibly could be the best Buckeye team we've seen in a long time. We knew that. We wondered how good A&M was going to be. We wondered how good Oklahoma was going to be. And we wondered how good Notre Dame was going to be. Sure, Florida was in the conversation. Georgia was sitting down there somewhere. Right, we, we had those questions, but it was the sure locks at three, the next three, and then the other three. They didn't get it wrong. They, they honestly, by the grace of the good Lord above and the people that decided to let it happen, the season was what it was. And this is why we love college football, because it's not drug out so long. It leaves us wanting more. It's not like the NBA that, by God, it feels like they never stop. They just take a halftime or hockey. Or NASCAR now that never ends. It seems like those guys are going in circles so many times. They ought to be dizzy before they get done because they never stop. I mean, it's just one of those things. But for me, the MLB was a better season because it wasn't drawn out and stretched out so daggum long. I hope they look at that module and think, you know what? Sometimes less is more, and it's a lot better than being stretched out from almost one end of the year to the other end of the year. It just becomes – it's like getting ice cream every Friday, but then you get it 
after that, you get it every day. Well, if you got it every day, you don't really look forward to getting ice cream every day. But you get it as a treat, kind of appreciate it. But in this thing, I think the treat they gave us was Alabama and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I think it's a nice one. I think they got it pretty close to being accurate, even though all the COVID things uh, that went through it, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I I think they got it right for the most part. I probably would have put, I mean, especially this year, just just to mm-hmm. see what would have happened. And I think, I think we can all agree, and and I think I think Alabama would have beat them as well. But look at how well Cincinnati went up against Georgia, who gave Alabama a pretty good, uh, you know, run for their money when they faced off in the regular season. I think right. putting Cincinnati in there instead of Notre Dame, that would have been a great storyline to see how the group of five teams would have been able to stack up in the playoffs. Would they have won? More than likely not. But would they, I think it probably would have been a closer game than it was against Notre Dame. Hmm. But so you put them ahead of, a&M, and you penalize A&M because they played them already once this year, but they played them at the beginning of the year. And who knows all the stuff, the court they had to go through, and at the end of the day, Alabama still could possibly be the best team in the country, and they're doing it offensively, not as much defensively. I mean, that's that to me is – that's where I struggle, is how do you do it? Yeah. And then Coastal comes in conversation. Well, Rich, they lost yeah. to the Flames, of course, to Liberty. Well, they probably didn't want to be there. And, and then they were there, and they yeah. kept – you know, thinking, well, we're here, we might as well win, but then they would kind of fall slow. Because I'll be honest with you, that secondary that we saw in that game wasn't nowhere near of the secondary we saw all year long. And you cannot tell me that the receivers at Liberty aren't as strong and as good as you saw, as they saw in BYU, which, by the way, the quarterback at BYU was in the conversation with the Heisman. So that, to me, shows me that I don't think Coastal really, at the end of the day, they, they struggled to find the continuance to want to be in that game. Well, not only that, but I also think that whereas Coastal felt that they were gypped and everything, and yes, I'm sure they still wanted to win, Liberty came into that game with a fire underneath them because of the fact that they lost the game in terms of not being able to play it against Coastal. They weren't able to show the world what they could do. So they went in saying, hey, here's our second chance to show the world what Liberty is able to do and to kind of take the story away from Coastal. So I think that the motivation behind it for Liberty as compared to Coastal, I think, is is what caused that game to be the way it was. I agree with you. So let me ask you this. I've got – okay, so I've got three. Okay, so I've got 12 teams here. But I'm only going to give you 11. I want you to give me your your number – the one that I'm going to miss here. So in the top three tiers, number three, I'm going to go Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. After that, I'm going to go Texas A&M, Notre Dame, right? And who else? I'm going to go Oklahoma. So then, in the next three, I'm going to give you Georgia and Florida. Now, who do you put in there at the Power Five? As I got a question mark right there at number nine. But before you answer that, I go into the, the Cinderella three. And that, of course, is Cincy, Coastal, and Liberty. Your thoughts on those three? And then who would you give me in that third and final, excuse me, that, that ninth selection of the power five of my, 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 my course uh, nine, if you would. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with those Cinderella three. That, those are the three that we were all talking about this year. Uh, in terms of the other three, I would probably say Texas A&M, uh, 
maybe maybe Oklahoma and maybe USC. Okay. What about North Carolina? North Carolina was another team that we yeah. thought Mac Brown, he had danced his butt off in 2019. Was he going to get to do a little bit of juking and jiving in the locker room? And he'll get some help for some of our kids here. J.J. Jones is heading there very, very soon, but not soon enough as uh, they didn't have their way the other day. But, again, just to come some conversation that, that we look forward to. Uh, let's take a quick break because I want to turn the page uh, and talk some NFL. Why is that? Because it is wild card weekend coming up. A lot of teams have already decided to hit the old links. So there are some players that are playing golf while there's a lot of players who are well practicing. And some of those are practicing social distancing because already we're hearing the word COVID come around. So a quick break, come back. We'll get into some NFL before we hit to the top of the hour, guys. Don't go anywhere. If you want to call in, dial us up right now. 1-323-784-9681. Again, it's 1-323-784-9681. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yelvin, alongside Brandon Bisco-Bing. Of course, this is Southern Sports Central. You can hear my man with the plan, Brandon Bisco-Bing, on Friday morning, Sports Unlimited, kicking off right here at 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. You'll be getting you ready for the weekend that's coming and a few other hot topics along the way. We wrap up the final 15 or so minutes in the NFL world. Of course, it is that wild card Weekend, It is going to be wild, and it's going to kick off on Saturday. You're looking at it on January the 9th as the AFC will see the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Buffalo Hot Bills. How about the Bills are rocking, they're rolling. They are a team on a mission. A lot of people thinking they're going to end up in the Super Bowl. That's going to be the first game at 105 over there on CBS. Then at, of course, uh, 440, you'll see the Seattle Seahawks led by that great quarterback and a new defensive uh guy that uh, a lot of people uh, would know here in the low country, Carlos 
Dunlap. Mr. Dunlap, who, of course, spent many seasons at Fort Dorchester in high school and then went over to the Florida Gators, then, of course, picked up by the Cincinnati Bengals, where I think they wasted his time for sure because he has done it big time since he's landed in Seattle. I don't know about the 12th man, but that man has made a lot of quarterbacks scramble. Now, can he do that? Is they will be seeing a very impressive team out of the Los Angeles Rams. We'll wait. We'll see. Then, of course, on Saturday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can Brady and the boys handle the Redskins? No, they're not. They're just Washington. The football team's going to roll around and do some things that they found a win over the weekend and ended the season with that win against Philly as they will be the nightcap on Saturday night at 8.15 on NBC. Then on Sunday, it is the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans being the first game of the day at a 1 o'clock kickoff. ABC takes that one. Then it is the number seven seed in the playoffs, the Bears. After taking down a loss against my Packers, they uh, will see the Saints as one of the last Saints could this be his final march? And Drew Brees, what will they do at 440? They kick it off on CBS. And then the final game, the nightcap there, 815, the Cleveland Browns. How about the Browns in the playoffs taking on the Steelers, who have stumbled and fumbled and bumbled just a little bit while the other team, are they hot or are they cold? A lot of topics, a lot of conversation. Brandon, I know you and I, of course, uh, don't talk as much NFL on our shows as we will going forward because it seems to be – the hot topic, of course, as we get closer towards that road to the Super Bowl. But what do you like out of this weekend, buddy? Uh, first of all, let me just say it's very weird to say seven seeds and to say that there are six <laughs> games uh, this weekend because it, you know this is the first year that they are doing the expansion to seven teams uh, in in the playoffs. And while. I kind of like the old system. It actually kind of makes that number one overall seed in each conference even more important because now you are the only one that gets that first round by. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting uh, it's gonna be an interesting weekend. A couple of good matchups. Uh, you know, run, running it down. Te- you know. Uh, game by game, you know, the, it, it, what what's probably the most interesting matchup, at least to me, is the matchup between uh, be, between the uh, Browns and the Steelers. Those two teams facing off against each other. Only I think, if I remember correctly, they didn't I think they played last week in Week 17. Uh, and so, oh, yes, they did. So it's a rematch of last week's game. And like you mentioned, Steelers kind of fluttering a little bit, kind of falling apart a little bit towards the end of the season, whereas the Browns come in very hot. But I think the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, he's going to have that team ready to go and, and ready to win that game. Uh, going back to the beginning, going back to Saturday – Colts Bills, I think the Bills have enough. I just don't trust the Colts enough. And not to mention it is Philip Rivers who is notorious for blowing playoffs. Uh so, you know, I think I have to go with the Bills in that one. Rams Seahawks is gonna be a very interesting matchup. That's another divisional rivalry game. Uh, but I think Russell Wilson has enough to pull that one out. Uh 
Buccaneers against Washington. You know, this is one of those weird ones. You know, we we've seen it. We've seen it a couple of times over the years. Uh, most recently with at, with the Seahawks and in the West, but a seven and nine division leading team making it into the playoffs and having that home field wild card game. But Washington just doesn't have it. Tom Brady's going to rip that defense to shreds, and the Buccaneers are going to move on. Ravens Titans. While the Titans have been playing well, I still don't quite trust them enough, and I think the Ravens are going to win that one. And then Bears, Saints, I think Drew Brees is just going to take it over and and dominate that game, and Saints will move on. Yeah, I think, and there's a lot to be said, and there's a lot there to digest, as you heard. Of course, Brandon Bisco being a big part of our team addition this year, coming into the 2020 heading into 2021 as he brings him and his brand over there with the sports unlimited to be heard right here on Friday morning. Uh, of course, uh, stay tuned. We may give you another freebie uh, tomorrow. Of course, we'll talk more about that towards the end of the show. Uh, but y- you heard all those breakdowns, great, great breakdowns because, you know, for me, the Buffalo bills are a team that, that I'm, I, and I think you're going to hear this at our, our, our seven o'clock guest. that's going to be joining us here for the first, hopefully of many, and uh, I actually was on his show yesterday, Luke Morrow over there with Morrow Middays on ESPN Radio here in Charleston. He's also the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs, but he's the guy that's not from Charleston. He's not even from the state of South Carolina that brings that 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 national outlook. Is uh, you know he he's a cat that didn't grow up here, so he doesn't have those ties to the Gamecocks and to the Tigers and to all the other things that we kind of battle within our Palmetto State conversation and our families that are born here. He doesn't have that. Nor do you, by the way, Brandon Bisco Bing, as your guy nope. from the north. So, so it's fun to have you guys in because it balances it out. It's kind of like perfect marriage. And, and so I look forward to hearing Luke as well. But I know, you know, on his show, as I've listened to him talking, you know, in, in the last few days and, and, and just kind of buying in and selling. And as we become, you know, those guys, are we buying, are we selling, you know, uh, who do you buy? And I, and I know there's a lot of people right now that are buying the bills. They are hot. They are doing it. And there's a lot of guys who said that they were going to be a very good team earlier this year. Now, a lot of guys were like, nah, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But my question is, the, the, while the Bills are a big question mark for those in the AFC, who do you think the biggest question mark in the NFC, for me, is the Redskins? Are the Redskins better than we thought they are? We'll wait. We'll see. And again, do they even lose or do they win, should I say, that game on Sunday if they don't do the quarterback substitution? Why would you not play that quarterback? Do they really does? And I got to ask, does the Philadelphia Eagles hate the Giants that much that they said, look, we don't like either one of you, but we really don't like the Giants. So if anybody's getting in, it'd be the Redskins because we don't like the New York Giants. Was that your thought process? What was your thought when you were watching them not bring in, you know, Hurst, who, who honestly was the best quarterback out of that rotation? Yeah, it it was definitely one of those things. That is a big rivalry myself. I know it all too well being a Giants fan. (laughs) That is the big rivalry. Uh, You know, the Giants also have a big rivalry with the Cowboys, and and the rivalries kind of go all over the place. But the Washington, their biggest rivalry is with Dallas. And right. I think everyone in the in the division's biggest rivalry is with Dallas for the most part. But Philly and Dallas or Philly and New York have a big rivalry. Uh, you know, but 
I think be, I, I think like you said, if Philly had to choose between Washington making it in and the Giants making it in, they'd choose Washington every time. So that mm-hmm. I think is where that that happened. And I mean, they're not going to admit it, obviously. But I, I I do honestly think, and and it's definitely going to show next season that first matchup between those two teams, especially if we're beyond COVID and we're able to get back to you know full stadiums. That that game is going to be a one to watch next season. That is for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Washington. I just don't see them doing much of anything. They just barely squeezed by the Eagles. Uh, and and Brady is going to be – he's already accomplished part of what he wanted to do because the Patriots didn't even make it into the playoffs. So he proved that he didn't need Belichick in order to, in order to win. But right. he's going to want to really prove a point that says, hey, I can win with another, something that even Montana didn't do – something that even Steve Young didn't do, something, you know, that even Brett Favre didn't do. So he's going to be on that mission to say, I'm winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. So Hmm. there's no way that Washington is advancing past the first round. Ooh, I like that. We're going to write that down because there's another guy that may join us here in a little bit. I think he said it on his show, but we'll find out. Luke Moore is going to join us here in about three minutes, so we're not going to hang out long. Here's top of the hour. Brandon, I'm going to ask. I know you may have some things to do. You can hang out with me and Luke, and, of course, we'll have a coach coming in here at 730, or, or you can call back in and hang out back with us from 8 to, uh, to 9 because I don't have the confirmation on the players from the West. We've reached out to them. We've invited them to come in and, and bring their belts and put them on the table, and let's talk about their experience in that bowl game. Now, again, we'll, we'll wait. We'll see if that happens. Uh, but I'd love to keep you with us or, or either way, have you back at 8 o'clock. What works best for you, big guy? Probably going to jump off, go eat some dinner, and then I'll come back on at 8 uh, to finish things up with you. That sounds like a plan, buddy. Thank you so much for hanging out for hour number one. Don't forget, you can listen to him right here on Southern Sports Central. We carry, of course, his brand, his uh, show at 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. That, of course, Sports Unlimited right here with Brandon Bisco being Southern Sports Central. Brandon, go eat some dinner. We'll talk to you in about an hour, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Talk to you guys later. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll send him out. We'll take a quick one, and I mean a very quick break here as uh, coming up in hour number two. Like that, we've covered an hour, and we got another two hours to go. We're heading back up to – well, or back down, should I say, to the low country. Luke Moore over there at the ESPN Studios uh, – bringing you his show right here tomorrow midday's conversation with me next he also is the voice of the senator bulldogs what do they look like this year how does basketball look and uh football and all that other stuff we'll talk to the big man right out of this break guys don't go anywhere it will be a short one we'll be right back
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellen here live on Southern Sports Central. I want to welcome you to hour number two, and we start off in style. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the first, I've, I hope, by God of many, Luke Morrow with Morrow Middays over there on ESPN Radio right here in Charleston, South Carolina. He's also the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs joining me for the first time. And, Luke, uh, first of all, good Wednesday evening. Thanks for taking time out to hang out with me a little bit, buddy. Hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me. I don't know if you heard a little bit of Hootie and the Blowfish. Hold my hand. I think the country needs a little bit of Hootie and the Blowfish after what we've seen today, huh? Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. And that's where sports can come <laughs> in and be a nice distraction. So uh, we always appreciate uh, the ability to be able to talk some sports even in the tough times. No doubt, man. First of all, I appreciate you, you know, getting me on your show on a regular basis. Uh, if I ever reach out, you're always answering. Of course, you can uh, hear this young man doing his thing in big fashion here in the low country at 98.9 FM, 94.7 FM, and 9.10 AM uh, from uh, noon to 3. That's the weekdays uh, here in Charleston. Man, you do a great job. And, and I remember you had the mornings there for a while, and then they moved you to the middays. And you're kind of, you know, right – then Bobby comes in right behind you. And, of course, it's uh, six solid hours of programming over there at Kirkland Broadcasting, man. But how you like in Charleston, man? You've been here over a year now, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been uh, – we're going on now three years. Wow. And uh, doing the radio show now. So, yeah, it goes quick for for everyone involved. But uh, it's been great. It's been great being in the area. Uh, I came from Florida, and it was hard to leave Florida. But then coming here, you know, it, was, it didn't take long for me to uh, fall in love with the low country and be happy here. And in regards to uh, what I'm doing professionally, it has been great as well and to be able to be on the radio. And it's interesting because, and you know very well, but in South Carolina, even though there aren't any pro teams in the state, still the um, – just the, the storylines and the passion for sports from just even Clemson and South Carolina alone. And then, of course, uh, even if you talk uh, the Atlanta Falcons or Carolina Panthers or, you know, the, the teams that are closest in the professional ranks. But there's just uh, a love for, for sports throughout the state. And Clemson and South Carolina always makes it interesting. So it's been a lot of fun. There's always plenty to, to discuss and break down. And, uh, you, you know, you and I, anytime you can talk sports, um, you know, it, it's a blessing. So I certainly love what I do and to be able to just uh, – you know, I'm a, I'm a grown-up uh, child. I get to talk sports professionally all day, so you can't beat it. Yeah, no doubt. We're hanging out with Luke Morrow with Morrow Middays over there on ESPN Radio right here in Charleston. Of course, the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. And uh, three years. You're not kidding, man. Holy moly, the time flies as you come up from Florida. What was the biggest transition from what you did down in Florida and, and covering, of course, the Gators and the Seminoles and USCF and all that? Of course, high school football was big down there, but – you come up in here in Charleston, of course, that Gamecocks and, 
and Tigers. Almost like Spurrier, Florida, too, by the way, of course. But he had to kind of understand that that whole religion uh, of football is a little different here in the Palmetto State in, in different ways. Yeah, you're not kidding. And the biggest difference just from the college football perspective alone is that in Florida and where I was, I was in central Florida, but even so, um, you know, maybe because I wasn't in the college towns themselves, but there wasn't that heated rivalry, at least that I experienced between Florida and Florida State, or even if you wanted to include Miami. And when I was there, that was when, um, you know, UCF was going through their great success. And so Hmm. UCF was trying to make a name for themselves and all that sort of thing. But my point being, when you came here, you could see the, the clear rivalry and even hate is a strong word, but, you know, dislike from Gamecock fans towards Clemson and vice versa. And that's what makes it really fun. And that's what college sports are about. And I'm not saying that that doesn't exist with Florida and Florida state. It's just that at least where I was located, it was different. It was a lot of where I was. It was a lot of Gator fans. You didn't hear much about Florida state fans or UCF or Miami or anyone else. And it was really Florida dominated. And here, even here in the low country, you get both sides and you can see the real passion and that's what makes the, the sports fun, even when it's, all due respect, you know, a one-sided rivalry with Clemson's success and lack thereof for the Gamecocks. Uh, it's still the, the fun, passionate rivalry that is what college sports is built on. And that was the biggest difference for me compared to the college sports aspect in Florida to what we're dealing with here in South Carolina. And it's been a lot of fun. Now, let me ask you this. Of course, you from the outside looking in, you see Shane Beamer getting hired by the Gamecocks. You see the – the, the the exciting ride for the Clemson Tigers and Dabo Sweeney. Now, not as exciting last weekend. Of course, uh, Tony Elliott probably going to be giving fruit baskets for days to the Ohio State Buckeyes for the raise he's about to receive over there on James Island when he comes back home to uh, where he grew up over there. But what was your thoughts when you saw Shane Beamer as a guy who, of course, you don't have any investment between the Gamecocks or the Tigers not growing up in the state? Good hire, or, or was that the guy you thought that they should go get? Yeah, so it's interesting you, you bring that up. And, and not being a Clemson fan or a Gamecock fan and not being from the state has allowed me to uh, be neutral, to play down the middle, to tell you how I really feel. And, um, you know, I heard from some people off the air that I was being tough on Shane Beamer and the Gamecock tiring of Shane Beamer. But, you know, it was just my opinion and how I felt. He wasn't my first choice. Uh, he wasn't my second choice personally. And I understand why people would have an issue. Uh, Hugh Freeze w- would have been my guy for someone who's won in the SEC before who's beaten Nick Saban before, who has shown he can do less with more, and who's an offensive-minded guy, which I think is the direction that you have to go nowadays in college football with how offensive the sport has gotten. I understand why certain people would be turned off by him and the things that have happened in his past. Uh, A lot of coaches, unfortunately, in the college ranks have some baggage like that that you would have to um, accept for certain coaches to to bring into your program. Uh, So I was tough on on the move, on the hire of Shane Beamer. Uh, It felt more so like uh, an appointment than a search. You know, he was their guy from day one, and they they wanted to make sure they got him in that position. Uh, with that said, certainly now, you know, he is the head coach, so uh, I, I'll give him every opportunity to, to have success, and I think he will have uh, the ability to be successful at the Gamecocks. Um, the, some of the moves on the staff uh, I have liked, uh, you know, because recruiting is going to be a big thing. And what's important and what I do appreciate about the hire of Shane Beamer is that under Will Muschamp, it seemed to be more about the back of the uniform and getting guys into the NFL, and that's how you can sell a program. But with Beamer, and we know about his infatuation with this program dating back more than a decade, it certainly seems like it's going to be more of a community or family feel. And we've heard that from past and present players, that they didn't really, maybe past players didn't feel as welcomed back to the program 
under Will Muschamp. And now with Shane Beamer, you automatically have that connection to when he was here before. And I think that's very important to get the alumni involved, to build that community. That's really what Dabo and Clemson were able to do to have that family type of feel. And you could get that with the Shane Beamer. Is it going to win games on Saturdays? We'll find out. Uh, it wasn't my favorite hire at the time, but hey, he's the guy in the position. And now he's going to have to recruit well. He's going to have to develop uh, that talent. And he's going to have to try to turn around this program. And he'll certainly uh, have the ability to do so. And if he can pull it off, uh, you know, he'll, 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 he'll be obviously beloved in these parts to try to get the Gamecocks back to where they would like to be. Hanging out with Luke Morrow with Morrow Middays right here on ESPN or over there on ESPN Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Of course, the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. We'll talk some Bulldog talk with you in just a little bit. Now, just last night, 24 hours ago or so, they announced Devontae Smith won the Heisman with uh, 669 more votes over Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Mac Jones finished right under them with uh, 1130. Your, your thoughts, uh, they got that right in your opinion, and you're surprised by Trevor Lawrence not bringing it home as many quarterbacks have been doing since, uh, well, the last one they got it was, of course, Desmond Howard as a receiver. Yeah, yeah, 29 years ago, which is why I was surprised that it was Smith over Trevor Lawrence. I think what hurt Trevor Lawrence was the fact that he did miss those two games, and a lot of it can be recency bias. And, um, you know, Devontae Smith ended the season real strong, especially in the SEC title game. Obviously, I know the votes were in before the playoff game, but we saw what he was able to do the other night against Notre Dame. If I had a vote, I don't vote for the Heisman. If I had a vote, I would vote for Devontae Smith as well. I thought he was the most outstanding player this season to have over 20 touchdowns and to have touchdowns both receiving rushing and then also return as well he had three types of touchdowns this year you know over 100 catches over 1600 yards uh, on the most dominant team this season the best team in the country playing in the best conference I thought it was a fantastic season that he's put together and we'll see on the national title uh, in the national championship game if it is in fact played as scheduled on Monday that I think he'll be the most outstanding player on the field that night as well. He was against Notre Dame. He was against Florida. He was for most of the games this season. And it was very reminiscent of Larry Fitzgerald. Now, granted, Fitz was a sophomore, uh, and Devontae Smith is a senior, but Fitz put up almost identical numbers back in 2003 when he finished second in the Heisman voting and then became the number three pick in that draft. And we know about the career that Fitzgerald has had in the NFL. So, uh, it was that type of season. You don't see it very often, those numbers put up by a wide receiver. And also Smith did it this year, by the way, in a shorter season because of the pandemic than Larry Fitzgerald did back in 2003, and he finished second in the Heisman vote. Uh, I thought they got it right with Smith. He was the most outstanding player. Trevor Lawrence, you can make a good argument for him. He's had a great career, a great season. Uh, but I thought that the time missed hurt him, especially, you know, you miss out on a national game with everybody watching at Notre Dame during the regular season. And meanwhile, Smith on the other side had all the highlights and the big plays and the amount of 200 receiving games, three touchdown games. Uh, I thought he was the most outstanding player this season, and that's what that award is supposed to be about. Hanging out right now with the big man, Luke Morrow, with Morrow Middays over there on ESPN Radio, Charleston, South Carolina, the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. He does it all. And one of the best stat guys I've ever heard on sports radio, Luke, you do an incredible job with your facts, man. I, I enjoy listening to you. Uh, as I ride around Charleston through the day uh, between 12 and 3, I've, I've got you dialed in and listened in. Of course, uh, you know, we'll get into some more of that here in just a minute. But when you look at the Devontae Smith, who had 1856, 669 votes later, 1187 Trevor Lawrence, and only 57 difference between second and third with Alabama's Mac Jones. Man, Mac Jones not that far away 
from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, that, to me, kind of surprised how many votes that uh, Mac Jones ended up with, though. Yeah, certainly, and especially if you were to say that at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, and Mac Jones, Alabama has become the type of uh, uh, program maybe that you could plug in a guy and with all the pieces around, they have the ability to be very successful. I thought to take anything away from Mac Jones or the quarterbacks before him. He's played well. He's going to turn himself into a – or he has turned himself into an NFL quarterback. Uh, but you benefit, too, from having one of your wide receivers being that Heisman winner, and that's a lot of times why the wide receivers haven't won the award in the past is because – when they put up big numbers, well, that means those numbers are going to their quarterback as well. Plus, he gets to involve everybody else on the roster, getting their numbers as well, and their numbers are usually bigger. Uh, and that allowed Mac Jones to finish in the top three. Not a big difference between him and Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how many people would have guessed that about a year ago, and that's why mm. we talked about it on, on, on my show today is that Trevor Lawrence, and it's not to take anything away from him because he had a special career and he should be a, a great NFL player, but you look back in his three years on Clemson and especially after year one when they won the national title and blew out Alabama. And you probably figured at that point, like, okay, you know, this won't be the last one for Trevor Lawrence, and he probably has a Heisman in his future. And here we are with uh, Lawrence heading on to the NFL without a Heisman victory, just that one national title, the team regressing each of the last two years in terms of their, the, the, the distance they went in the uh, playoff. And meanwhile, even this season, Mac Jones, who you know didn't play until Tua got hurt last year, not separated by much in the eyes of the voters with Trevor Lawrence this season. And I just find that uh, surprising. That's not to say that Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great career, but it is surprising that, A, maybe he never did win the Heisman, and that, B, we've gotten to this point where, at least amongst the Heisman voters, they didn't see that big of a gap between Lawrence and Mac, jo- Mac Jones this year. And uh, it does speak to the year that Mac Jones had, because I don't know how many people forecasted that for this season. Two things missing here, though. The one, and for Clemson fans, they've got national championships, but they have no Heisman. This was that Heisman year. This was the year they got back into the Gamecock Nation and said, look, not only do we got national championships, we got a Heisman trophy as well. This is the second time they feel snubbed in a quarterback that could have, should have, would have cut at least a break in Heisman. And how about Mac Jones? What if he did this this year with the best receiver? Because Devontae Smith wasn't even his best receiver coming in this year. He lost that guy to an injury early in the season. So had he had that top receiver and Devontae Smith, could we be talking about Mac Jones winning a Heisman? Yeah, it's a good point. I know, it's, which is an interesting wrinkle to the story, that if Waddle doesn't get hurt, you know, maybe we have a different Heisman winner and uh, it wouldn't be Devontae Smith. And just that butterfly effect from that injury back in October. But it's remarkable that this is what Alabama has become. And this is another thing that, you know, I was talking about this afternoon, but the fact that Alabama has gone from this, you know, they were all about the ground game. The other Heisman winners under Saban were the running backs, uh, Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram. And now you look at the, the wide receivers that they are developing over the past decade under Nick Saban. And it's really remarkable that this defensive coach that was about running the football and playing good defense is now this wide open offense that is producing first round wide receivers, you know, two a year. And then the quarterbacks where, uh, Jalen Hurts uh, is now starting in the NFL. Tua is starting for the Dolphins. And Mac Jones, like we've been discussing here over the last few moments, Mac Jones wasn't on anybody's radar. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, I broadcast for the Citadel and we played Alabama a couple of years ago, uh, knowing that it was, the score could be lopsided and we'd see a backup in there. You know, that's when I started to learn who Mac Jones was, the backup to two at the time. But I didn't even know who he was prior to my game prep for that game. Nobody really knew. You don't know the Alabama backup because you, you don't have to see him until the, the fourth quarter of those blowouts when you already changed the channel anyways. And now here he is, you know, as he's going to be maybe a first-round draft pick, certainly one of the top 
five quarterbacks taken, uh, finished third in Heisman, and did so, as you said, without probably his best option for half the season in the past game. So it's just remarkable what Alabama's become, and that's not to say that these guys aren't talented, but just the talent that they're all surrounded by allowing all these players to put up such big numbers and turn themselves into the NFL players that they have become. Hanging out, Luke Morrow with Morrow Middays right on ESPN down here in Charleston, South Carolina, the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. When the Bulldogs are playing a little bit of football here, they're not doing it right now. We'll talk more about that hopefully before I get them out of here. But let me ask you this. It's fun to me because Nick Saban, man, I tell you what, that's a guy we're going to miss doing what you and I do with this radio stuff it is this, this, the one-liners and the zingers. But for so long, he talked about defensive teams winning championships. Now it's all about the offense. And you compared the quarterback, it's like Georgia. You know, I had remember asking a Georgia fan years ago in the stadium against South Carolina who their backup quarterback was. They had no idea because just like Alabama, Georgia has quarterbacks that last for four years, if not three strong years. And then here you see Alabama now getting these quarterbacks in the NFL. One questionably should have played a lot longer on Sunday night than he did with the Eagles. But it looks like Alabama went right back down to the fraternity house and got one of the fat guys out of uh, one of those houses and put him back on the field because forever that's what they've been, you know, used to down in Alabama. Before you saw the last two quarterbacks that were extremely successful, your thoughts on this kid is, is he the NFL-style quarterback that you used to see and you're going to see going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. And it's 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 funny that um... – and it goes to what I said about Nick Saban being able to adjust. Football at the NFL level and the college football level have become very predictable in the sense that uh, it's become very simple. It's a complex game when you get into the X's and O's, but it just comes down to simply having the quarterbacks. And the best teams in the country, the best teams in each conference are the ones with the best quarterback, and the teams that struggle are the ones that don't have the quarterback. So it's simply come down to uh, the quarterback play. And then we've seen this shift where we, when, you, when you talk about these college guys going and, and playing at the next level, there's been a heavy college football influence into the NFL that has made it easier for these players to transition. A lot of what teams do offensively in college is now being used in the NFL, starting with the, you know, the RPOs, uh, even these muddle huddles, because college quarterbacks aren't used to huddling up and reading a defense and all that sort of stuff. They get the signs from the sideline. Uh, but just the way that the styles have blended with one another, these college quarterbacks are, are ready to go to that next level and uh, succeed at a higher rate than what we're used to seeing. So in regards to a Mac Jones, you know, I, I would put him personally, you know, fifth on the quarterback draft board for the, the future, but I think certainly he could be a guy who will, will have or could have success in the NFL. He'd be, um, you know, maybe a high second round draft pick. Maybe there'd be enough teams in the first round going for him. Uh, and, um, and he he could do some things in the NFL and, and, you know, it comes down to that quarterback position. He referenced Georgia, and, and they need the quarterback to try to keep up. They think they have it in JT Daniels, but it's as simple as that. It comes down to the quarterbacks. It doesn't matter so much about your defense anymore or even your tight ends, the uh, running backs sometimes, all that sort of stuff. Simply, if you have one of the top quarterbacks, you're going to succeed. That's been Georgia's issue, and that's been Saban's uh, great ability lately to, to churn out these great um, – well, great may be a strong word, but to churn out NFL quarterbacks over the last handful of years to uh, sustain their success in Tuscaloosa. Hanging out right now, just wrapping this college conversation before we talk a little NFL with him as well. Of course, uh, Luke Morrow with Morrow Middays on ESPN Radio right here in Charleston, South Carolina. Now, Luke, uh, it is going to be a battle of two different quarterbacks. One of those uh, was a top three in the voting in Mac Jones. We thought Justin Fields would be 
uh, in this conversation in it as well. But one conversation he is in is playing in the national championship and that he is quite impressively a, a trooper because he took a tough hit last week. Now they are looking at playing this game coming up on Monday in Miami, Florida, over there, of course, uh, in, in a big stadium. There's only 16,000 tickets that they're going to give out. Now, I saw this, and I'm not sure if you guys mentioned this today or this week on your show, but the Buckeyes aren't given any general tickets. It's going to go to, I would imagine, to, to boosters. There's donors, of course, uh, the family members, and those inside the compound of the Buckeyes. Now, your thoughts on this game overall, and does it happen on Monday? Because we've heard a lot of rumors of uh, the word that we don't like to use on this show, and that's COVID. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, as of now, they're saying both sides are, are good to go as of now, but we know things can change very quickly with this pandemic. So we'll see. Uh, I think that, you know, even to the chagrin of Nick Saban's daughter, if the game needs to be pushed back, then, then so be it. You want to make sure you have these teams at enough of a, maybe not full strength, but strong enough that you don't come away thinking, well, that would have been a different game had it been uh, not for the pandemic. You want to be able to crown a legitimate champion and not have one side feel like they were slighted or anybody bring up the asterisk conversation that, well, it would have been a different game had it not been for the, a pandemic. If this was a normal year, we would have won the championship, all that sort of stuff. You don't want to uh, have any doubts about the champion you crowned this year. So if it takes pushing the game back a week, then so be it. You know, do it. You don't have to compete with the NFL on Mondays anymore. Wait a week. Uh, you don't have as many tickets as you just mentioned. You won't have as many fans traveling or whatever it may be for this specific game. So do whatever you have to do to get it in and have it be the most normal game you can in this unusual season. In regards to the game itself, I really don't know what to expect. I thought Clemson was going to beat Ohio State. I warned on my show that if Ohio State did play the complete game, they can make things uh, interesting. Uh, and that's exactly what they did, in fact, more so. They played their complete game. They played the best game they've played all year, and they did more than make it interesting. In fact, they did the opposite. They, they totally outplayed and, and dominated Clemson that night and put that game away in the first half, and it was very impressive. Can they duplicate that against Alabama? I'm not sure. You know, a lot of the things that they did was uh, they saved some tricks for Clemson that they didn't have to use during the regular season, whether it was their tempo, whether it was some of their formations they were using, uh, stacking more receivers to – the short side of the field, that stuff's now on tape. I don't know if they have more tricks for Alabama come Monday, but if they play like they did against Clemson, I think they can hang uh, with Alabama. The, the question is just can they duplicate that great performance because we didn't see them play like that during the regular season. They're obviously capable, uh, but they just haven't done it consistently enough this year. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think a lot of points will be scored. Um, I, I, I struggled with making a firm prediction, and I'm going to wait until game day until I'm forced to do so. Uh, but I think it will be a fun national championship, and Ohio State will have the ability, if they play well enough, that they could hang with Alabama. Luke Morrow here, and you're not with us right now for Morrow Middays here on ESPN Radio here in Charleston. You can listen to him live from 12 to 3 right there at the Middays as he gets you ready for the uh, the evening's here in Charleston and all around us. You can find him also. We're going to let you, Luke, tell him how to find you on the web here in just a minute as well, buddy. But, you know, I looked at this season, and, and while it was very strange between a team's winning and only playing six games and some teams playing more or less or whatever, but in the reality, when you look at the three tiers of three teams, and I'll even go four tiers of three teams, and the first three were Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State. We knew those were the three that would possibly be in the conversation for a national title. The next level would have Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma, as we've always – that was kind of what we were thinking here at Southern Sports Central, is the 13 watch for 
have Connecticut. Then the third wave have Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina due to the fact of what we saw Mac Brown doing last year and the dancing and all that stuff. We thought that maybe they'd have a chance to have at least some say-so. And then the three Cinderella teams would be Cincinnati, Coastal, and Liberty uh, that, of course, uh, I think, I feel that benefited COVID season and not be a COVID season, would we be talking about Cincinnati Coastal and Liberty because all these other teams would be playing? Your thoughts uh, before we get into, of course, that national championship on Monday, uh, you feel like we still kind of got it right, even though it was kind of a around your elbow to your ankle deal? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's the, the downside for college football, but this year it was kind of a positive is that it is so predictable. And, uh, you know, I, it's no credit to me. Any college football fan could do it. But, you know, back in July or August, I predicted three of the four playoff teams. I thought the fourth team would be Florida. And, again, it's no credit to me. I didn't do anything special. Anyone would tell you that it would be Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and usually it comes down to that fourth spot. And that's one of the issues for college football is that it is so predictable and not enough fan bases feel like they have a chance to win a championship. But – the positive is that this year during this pandemic, we knew those were the best teams and they were good enough to still rise above all the adversity and hurdles to get there. And that's important in this unusual year that you still want to crown a champion that is a legitimate champion and not just a team that benefited or, or was able to handle the pandemic the best. You don't want, like I said earlier, any doubts about your champion. So Alabama has been the best team in college football this year. Ohio State and Clemson were the next two, and Ohio State clearly was better than Clemson on Friday night. So, you know, I thought overall, for the most part, the playoff committee got it right. We could have debates about Texas A&M or Cincinnati getting a chance or whoever it may be instead of Notre Dame. But for the most part, they got the four right at that, at that point. And I think we do have the two best teams in college football this year, which should make for a, a fun national championship even during this most unusual college football season. Luke Morrow, Morrow Middays on ESPN Radio here in Charleston. Uh, Luke, uh, the other thing that's a little strange is usually in the NFL, as we change it quickly before I let you go, is we talk about six, uh, of course, uh, the sixth seed. This year, the expansion. They got seven. There's a lot of things going around, a lot of craziness. The Bills, by God, are a conversation on your show, and I agree with you, by the way, that they're a team that uh, is going to cause a little bit of havoc if they keep doing what they're doing. Of course, you find out the way the Redskins make playoffs. Not surprised that Tampa's in there because they got a guy that's pretty familiar with playoffs and conversations. You got Drew Brees, who he could be marching to the final dance down there on the bayou, of course. And then how about the Browns? The Browns, who just played the team they're going to be playing in the rematch with the Steelers. Man, make some sense and uh, give our listeners a little bit of thoughts of going into this weekend as Green Bay, the Chiefs, and all of us will be sent back watching some football this weekend. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. You know, I was against the expansion to the playoffs to begin the season, but the way it's played out this year, uh, they've converted me. And, this, and the fact that we'll get the triple header on Saturday, a triple header on Sunday, and then the cherry on top will be outside of the NFL, the national championship game on Monday. It makes for a great weekend. So I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching the games um, and seeing what unfolds. You know, a lot of times the past decade, in fact, the teams that have been in the Super Bowl have always had the one or two seed and a first round bye. This year is obviously different. Only the Chiefs and the Packers have a bye, one team per conference. I think that makes them uh, the heavy favorites. If I had to go, you know, if I had to make a pick, I would go chalk. I've been making the case this week that I do think the Bills uh, could upset the Chiefs in the AFC, could be the team to come out of the AFC. So, you know, if I had to make a prediction, I guess I'd go Bills Packers. But it is an advantage to have that week off, to rest up, to have to play one fewer games. And the Bills will have a tough test against the Colts this weekend. Even Tampa Bay going to Washington it won't be as easy, I believe, as many others think 
to try to get past Washington in the first round. But just like in college football, I thought the NFL has done a good job that we have the teams that should be there outside of maybe the NFC East, and uh, it should lead to a, a very interesting playoff field. You know, can the Browns still win without their head coach this weekend? Is Ben Roethlisberger, does he have enough in the tank? What about Phillip Rivers? You know, these older quarterbacks that are making one final stand. Can Lamar Jackson finally win a playoff game? So there's a lot of great storylines, a lot of fun games, and I'm just looking forward to to kicking it off this weekend. It's bittersweet because it means we're winding down football, but it should come with uh, some great games here over the next couple of weeks. No doubt. Final thing, uh, Luke, you work in, I've mentioned it multiple times, you're the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. Basketball I know that's got a lot of things stopping and going because of COVID. Football, it's got its own deal. What's going on in the world of sports over there at the Dell as the uh, cadets are are stopping and playing, and and they're playing today but not tomorrow? What's happening in football and basketball coming up uh, in the next few months over there, at least the next couple of hours and weeks? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's unpredictable. We never know in the next few hours or days or weeks, but – you know, Citadel basketball 7-0 and for the first time in 100 years. Unfortunately, their last three games have been postponed because of COVID issues. And the biggest concern is that it's not all related to one team. It was the Citadel in the first game. The last two games have actually been their opponents. They're two separate opponents that have had COVID issues. So we're hoping that they can return to the court Saturday for the first time in nearly three weeks and start finally start conference play with this perfect record. And for football, uh, as sad as uh, Super Bowl Sunday usually is, because it means no more football until you know August or September, uh, the Southern Conference will be planning, still planning to play here in the spring, which means Citadel football will be kicking off in just under eight weeks for them and about six and a half weeks for the Southern Conference themselves. So I'm looking forward to it. And if all goes well and works out, we'll have baseball, basketball, and football all going on at the same time at the Citadel. And I look forward to that because after, you know, sitting on my couch during the pandemic for two months with nothing to do, having to stay inside, I'll welcome the uh, multiple games that will keep me busy throughout the, uh, throughout the, throughout the uh, spring. That's the hope. And hopefully everything plays out like that. But, um, you know, as you know, uh, you know, with this pandemic, you never, you never know what could happen, but that's the hope. That's the plan. And hopefully we get back to some sizzle sports here in the very near future. No doubt. Luke, I greatly appreciate it, brother. Is uh, you know, I've been on your show multiple times and I appreciate the opportunity, the invites, and even just talking about what we did this past weekend. Appreciate your support there, but um, I want to give you a chance. How do they find you? How do they go and listen to you? If they don't live here in Charleston, uh, how can they be entertained for three solid hours, five days a week over there with you guys? Yeah, you can uh, listen to the show online, whether it's through the TuneIn radio app or on our own website, Charleston Sports Radio dot com and stream us online you can also go through uh, alexa as well to stream the show i probably just woke up mine and then use um uh, the show is on demand podcasted so you can listen at any time anywhere in the world just search espn radio charleston however you listen to your podcast and you can find us there buddy i appreciate it i look forward to catching up with you soon hopefully we can do something together man that would be a blast for me got a lot of respect for you man you've done your job here in three years of uh earning a lot of respect from a lot of listeners here in Charleston. It's an easy, it's not an easy thing to do as you've learned from the Boston Johns and of course, Dave's of the world that I know <laughs> call it <laughs> on a regular basis, man, but God bless you. Enjoy the night. And I'm sure you and I will talk soon. Yes, absolutely. Hey, pleasure's all mine. Anytime you need me, uh, just reach out and uh, appreciate you. I always love talking to you and uh, keep up all the great things you're doing as well. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. As we say goodbye to the big man, of course, Luke Morrow. Of course, you can hear him right there on ESPN Radio in Charleston, South Carolina. Morrow Middays. He's also the voice 
of the Citadel Bulldogs. So, again, a lot of things, uh, doing a lot of things here in the, the low country for three years. He comes in from Florida and has really done a great job uh, taking over uh, that 12-3 to 3 role because, again, you're, you're catching young men, women, and children and everybody across the board at lunchtime. And he, I think he does a great job of keeping us entertained and educated and all with a lot of stats and figures. But, again, an outside tenuity because he didn't grow up here in South Carolina to talk about the Gamecocks and the Tigers and everything else in between, guys. So we'll take a break. 30 solid minutes. Appreciate you, Luke. We're going to say don't go anywhere because coming up next, the bus will leave West Ashley from the studios over there at ESPN all the way as we go to Columbia. We'll hang out with Coach Danny Lewis. He, of course, coached at the Citadel. How about that connection as we put that one to guest uh, conversation here in just a little bit. But he was the coach of the West team in the Epic 84 Senior Bowl, brought to you by the South Carolina High School Blitz and Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. Short one right after this. The coach from the West. everybody i'm rich yellman here live on southern sports central flying solo tonight but we've got a five-star guest list and of course we want to say thank you again luke morrow with uh morrow middays here over there on espn down in charleston south carolina of course he's the voice of the Citadel bulldogs as well they're playing basketball baseball and football in the spring man that's a beautiful beautiful love language for us here in the world of sports man three sports uh all together man that's what i like to hear but we now change to another head coach who uh, did it big in this past weekend's Epic 84 in the Senior Bowl brought to you by the South Carolina High School Blitz, Southern Sports Central. And, of course, we couldn't have done it with that team from the West, and the head coach from the West, Coach Danny Lewis. What's up, Coach? Hey, how you doing? Not too bad, man. Are you rested, by the way? I know you guys were working it, man. Y'all got here Thursday about 1 o'clock. Coaches' meetings went well. 3 o'clock, the players came in and – you got in your cars and headed back home. Um, I'm still trying to recover. I didn't realize I was this old, to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> I have all new respect for all those young guys. They can they can run around like deer and never get tired. Uh, and I, I can assure you that I was struggling on Sunday. But uh, we had a great time. It was action-packed. We tried to get as many meetings and walkthroughs and practices in and then uh, play the game. Um, um now I, I I need to rest up a little bit, but uh, had a great experience. It was a good time. Now, Coach, uh, you got in here, and I got to tell you, I'm looking at your roster, and I've been looking at the East and West, and you name it. You guys have had it. I mean, I know coming up after you, we'll be checking in with Gamecock commit uh, Omega Blake, who 
took home some uh, some hardwares. He got the top receiver award out of the game. He's a South Point guy, plays for Devontae Holloman, former Gamecock. Uh, he will also be a current Gamecock, Omega Blake, by the way. But Blake was just one of many great guys. As I got a chance to watch yeah. this kid out of Wahala, Zaire Scotland, who I thought did extremely well. Andre Lindsay did well. Alex Lewis did well. Jordan Smith. I mean, I'm going to start naming kids, but I could go through your whole roster and think, man, this by far was a very impressive group of young men of uh, 42 of the best selected in the upstate. You know, I was uh, midway through the second quarter, I looked at uh, our defensive coordinator, Will Mitchell, and I said, you know, this – this isn't an ordinary all-star game right here, man. Uh, I think we really benefited from the fact that, unfortunately, there was no Shrine Bowl or North-South this year. So we had some dudes in this game. I mean, you could you could see it out on the field. It wasn't uh, it wasn't your typical all-star game. I can assure you of that. And um, it was fun to coach those guys. It was fun to, to be around them. Um, you can tell they all come from very um, high-profile high school programs. I take my hat off to all the head coaches that have had a part in helping uh, mentor and develop those guys. Uh, They came in here all business. Uh, You could tell they came from some really good high school, high school football teams. Now coach, uh, let's talk about your coaches real quick. You did a great job, but I think I know for a fact you guys went through this list and God, it wasn't easy uh, having all these kids available. A lot of people say, man, wasn't it nice to have these kids? I told a reporter on Saturday night, I said, look, I'm glad I wasn't these coaches because not having <laughs> the Shrine Bowl in the North-South, everybody was available, right? I mean, there was no other right. bowl games going on all the way right. from the All-American bowl games. So before you got to your players, you went through and got a lot of head football coaches to come in here and uh, top position coaches uh, to lead you guys through, I thought was a college environment from the time you guys got here on Thursday. I thought it was a big deal uh, for me uh, since we only had X amount of uh, days to get ready for this is to make sure we put a staff together of uh, current high school coaches, um, uh, head coaches, that is. I also wanted to add some even more credibility to the game. I I just – I wanted a head coach that could represent the Midlands, uh, somebody uh, from the Rock Hill area over in in, – Greenville, Spartanburg area. So I, I just think uh, I think that added something to the game. Um, you know, our, our defense was run by Will Mitchell, who's the head coach at Louisville. He was uh, their coach of the year up in his area. We had uh, uh, Coach Rob McNeely from Fort Mill. Uh, we had uh, defensive backs were I thought played excellent. By the way, uh, that was Trent Usher, head coach at Pageland Central. Um, he did a fantastic job with those guys out back. And we were fortunate. We had two dudes. We had uh, uh, Chance Mackey and um, Mark Wells from Northwestern. Those guys were dudes. Um, Offensively, uh, it starts up front. Uh, Our offensive line coach was Demetrius Davis, who's the head coach at Fairfield Central. And me and Coach Davis worked together for a million years. Uh, It feels like uh, at South Carolina State. So uh, I I enjoyed – being around those guys, and I learned something from them. Uh, you're always learning in this business, so it was good to get around those guys and just watch them interact with their position players and the, the things they coach, the, the terminology they use. They might use a key phrase or a word or something that I can even take back uh, to my own program. So it was beneficial for all of us all the way around. Hanging out right now with the 
western side of the conversation in the epic 84 senior bowl held over there this past weekend over at of course woodland high school where uh the west was led by uh, coach danny lewis who comes in here from uh, heathwood hall and did uh coach a, a great job very well diagram i'd say digress opportunities that were given to you guys as y'all had everything kind of put in play from how they were going to lead, how they were going to walk. And this is at practices. I'm talking walkthroughs on Thursday night to making it, it almost, uh, like I said earlier, a college environment of what team meetings are supposed to look like. And we kind of take that for granted because not all coaches do it the same way. Most coaches don't, but you guys gave them a chance to see it from another perspective. I, I got a chance to listen to your defensive coordinator who, Man, I tell you what, he might not be the tallest guy on your staff, but I bet you he demands some of the biggest respect out of the room. Yeah, he, uh, Coach Mitchell does a fantastic job. He's got a passion for high school football and a passion for South Carolina high school football. He does a fantastic job. And uh, I've known uh, Will a long time. I'm old enough that uh, we were college roommates. So uh, we've been uh, talking X's and O's in football for my entire adult life. So uh, what we really wanted to do, and we told them, the night they reported, uh, all you guys are getting ready to go play in college and play on Saturdays. We're going to try to give you a bowl game environment. This is what it feels like um, when you go to a bowl site. You have X amount of practices, and then you got to you got to go play. Uh, so we tried to set up the entire weekend like it was a bowl game. Now, when you put everything in perspective, uh, you know, the the fun part was playing, I know, at, at 1 o'clock for a lot of the fans. But every kid I had out here on, on Monday night from the East, they said the most fun they had, yes, the game they knew, but they had a lot of fun, the conversations, the back and forth from the great care of us over there and the bus ride in Dorchester, South Carolina to Woodland. Uh, what, would, to you, was the best part of the weekend uh, other than playing the game? Uh I enjoy listening to the banter between the kids, uh, to be quite honest. I, I, <laughs> I would ride the bus with the guys. And, uh, you know, kids are kids. Uh, they, they argue about, hey, uh, we were high school rivals against each other. You can hear them replaying the games, uh, going back and forth. And then the conversation kind of turns to uh, whether they're going to be college uh, teammates or even college rivals. So, just listening to those guys um, keeps you young. It was fun. It, that, that that was the best part for me. So I would agree that that, that uh, being around the hotel uh, when we weren't in meetings and listening to the guys uh, in the hallway or waiting for their meals and then listening to them get after each other on the bus rides. It was a good time. Yeah, it definitely was here. We're going to be joined here in just a little bit by Mega Blake. Coach, I'm going to let you hang out with us when he comes on because – I'd like you to say okay. some things to him, and, uh, and, and hopefully uh, he will dial us up here in just a few moments. As he's heading to the University of South Carolina, he played for Devontae Holliman, of course, a former Gamecock, played in the NFL, uh, well-respected young man, and was very, I, I thought, very talented, not just during the game, but watching his work ethic at practice, you know, spoke volumes of, of not just him, but the preparation uh, that you saw Omega getting over there at South Point. Um, when you saw this young man, and he played a big role in this game as well, as he went against uh, a young man over at Fort Dorchester, a couple of guys. One of them, of course, uh, was the Fort Dorchester big man who ended up doing pretty well for uh, the Eastern side. But he also went against, I believe, Trey Baker from Myrtle Beach. So when you go against uh, two very good, and Jalen Levine, and, of course, uh, Trey Baker, and, and able to catch a pass and run it in for a touchdown, you know, uh, what were your thoughts on his size, his ability, 
And, of course, we all know he's heading to South Carolina to play football next year. Uh, that guy was all business, I can assure you. He came down there uh, on a mission. I think he wanted to uh, have, a, have a really great showing, and uh, uh, he did that. Uh, he was all business. I'll be quite honest. It was uh, You had to work to get a smile out of him. There was, there was, uh, <laughs> he, he came down there ready to work, ready to put in the time. He, he, uh, he, he, I'll tell you why he played so well in the game, and I I guarantee you that uh, they'll say this back at South Point. It's because he practices so hard. Hmm. I thought he did a fantastic job. You know, we we basically had a two-a-day practice. Those things can drag, as you well know. But he practiced so well that just said, hey, this is why this guy can play. He doesn't just go out there and roll the balls out. He gets after it, and he puts in the time and the work uh, before we even kick off. Now, Coach, uh, the other young man that I thought did extremely well uh, was, of course, the running back over there. And, of course, uh, Zaire Scotland, the kid from Wahala. I believe he's heading to a military college, if I'm not mistaken. It's just for some reason sticking in my mind. But uh, this kid was uh, – he would not go down. I mean, it took multiple guys to catch him once he got uh, past that front line. Well, what was your thoughts on having a running back like him that you could just keep feeding him play after play? Uh, that guy was a dude now. He was put together. He was solid. Um, <laughs> it makes me laugh because we had a walk through that first night, and uh, we're in the uh, area and moved all the chairs and tables and put, so that we could have some space. And I was talking about uh, a certain play where he had a lead up on the linebacker, and, you know, I was just dumb enough to stand in there and, and say, hey, I'm the linebacker. This is where you got to go. And he popped me. <laughs> he put two. He had elbows in, thumbs up, and he ran. He ran through me and put me up against the wall. And the entire place was real quiet for a second. It's like, oh my god, they just put the coach down. And then I smiled and I said, that's exactly what I wanted to look like on Saturday. And everybody just busted out laughing because that dude, he'll hit you now. He'll strike you. And um, you know, he's one of those guys that you do not want to tackle for four quarters. I think, uh, I think the world, uh, Mr. Scotland, and I will tell you this: uh, them dudes up in uh, West Point, they're getting a dude. He, he's a guy. Yeah, no doubt, of course, uh, two big guys. And, again, you had, uh, I think, Andre Lindsay's another guy who uh, I thought stood well for you at, at the quarterback position along with the other quarterbacks you had back there. But uh, yet, when you see these quarterbacks come in here, you saw the three of these guys. And I watched your three quarterbacks come in here, and I thought you almost like watching film on one another. They would sit there and right. watch one, and then you would see them kind of work together. I saw a lot of that with your position guys watching them this past weekend, Coach. You know, what What made these guys seem to want to kind of learn from one another as they were going through their drills? Well, you know, uh, the, the quarterbacks are like their own little cult. <laughs> they uh, they all know each other and know of each other. So either they're playing against each other uh, or, they're, or they're going to the same camps uh, during the summer. So these, these guys, they kind of travel in a pack, and, and they all want to take something uh, from one another. If you look at it, you know, we start with – uh, the young man from Gaffney, Lindsey, 6'4", I think he's probably taller than that, and he has an absolute cannon. Um, and then we had Marshall Skoloff from Eastside and Alex Lewis from Heathwood. I'll, I'll tell you this. I think playing quarterback in an all-star game is the hardest because they don't just have to learn their position and their assignment. I mean, they're the quarterback. they got to know what everybody's doing. Um, and then they also have to learn the scheme. And now you're working with some guys that you haven't worked with before. I mean, you've got to get the mesh down uh, with the running backs. You've got you to have the nuances 
of the guys you're throwing it to. So I think it's hard for those guys to shine um, in an all-star game. And, that's, and the fact that our guys were able to come in and put their best foot forward and, and, and play well is a testament to not only their talent, but their character. Yeah, a lot of character built there. Now, of course, it didn't go the way y'all wanted it to go with a 38-21 uh, deficit there at the end of the game, Coach. But y'all took the lead in the first quarter. You took the lead in the first quarter, and you're sitting there, and you make the most out of a, a situation when the, the East team fumbles the ball, of course. The young man I keep mentioning that's heading up there to play some football in college over there at Wahala took it in, and then y'all went down yeah. 21-7. But I thought the part <laughs> that I really enjoyed was that you didn't lay down. 21 unanswered points, then you answer back with 14 unanswered points, and you made it a great ball game going to the fourth quarter. Well, I told I told the guys after the game, all of them are winners. I, I'm the one that lost that game. So uh, I uh, I wish I'd have coached better, to be quite honest. I, I wish I'd have done a better job with the guys. Um, you know, we we Coach Mitchell and the defensive staff and those defensive guys they got the early turnover and we were able to capitalize, but then they went on a run and they big played us. Um, and they were about to run us out the building, uh, to be quite honest. It was 21-7, and they had the ball, and they were driving. We were able to come up with a stop. And then we, were, we climbed back in that game um, and got it back to uh, a tie ball game midway through the third. But, uh, you know, they made a couple more plays than we did in the fourth quarter. Um, I can tell you this, you know, coaching takes over, and I've watched the game three times now, and it just I'm sick to my stomach. Because of me, I could have done a better job. Um, but the guys did a fantastic job, and I told them after the game, I said, hey, man, keep your head up. I know we came up short today, but you guys played fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I agree with you, Coach, because, you know, A, let's put everything in perspective. You only really got two days to practice. You really honestly had one good day, and that was Friday, which was probably our best day in the weather department all day long as you guys practice in the morning. You got some cheeseburgers and hot dogs and chips <laughs> and some Gatorade at lunch. And then back out to the field they went. And, and to me, you know, it was funny because a lot of people say, well, well these guys might want to go back and, and watch some college football. And I said, well, then they shouldn't have came this weekend because they're playing football right. while their buddies that want to be here is watching football. Of course, not one person mentioned about watching college football. But I thought that bonding on Friday, and it was fun listening, as you mentioned, the bannering, going back and forth as you guys were on one side of the field and they were on the other side. And every once in a while, one of your DBs would yell across to the receiver, J.J. Jones, and say, <laughs> don't get used to catching it because you're not going to catch it tomorrow, so get all the catches yeah. you can today. And to me, that was fun. That's that's what yeah. that, that's good fun football, right? Yeah, it was coming from a good place. Those guys, uh, comp- I, I told them, I said, look now, it's all fun and games right now. It's an all-star game. We're hanging out at a hotel and we're being fed really well. But at some point in that game, it's going to turn into a physical football game that you guys are used to on Friday night. So don't think this thing is just going to be a 7-on-7 seven seven and we're going to go out there and play touch. Um, and lo and behold, it did. Midway through that uh, <laughs> first quarter, those guys started striking each other. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. Um, but it was fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, the one kid, another kid that kind of came in, and I want to pull up the picture here in a little bit and kind of go through. I don't know if you have the picture in front of you of your guys that received belts here, Coach, uh, but I'd like you to highlight those guys as well. But one guy, Mr. Scotland from Wren, he's a linebacker. This kid, he's going to be well missed by, uh, you know, uh, Mama Dukes. That's what they call uh, the head coach's uh, better half, as they say, uh, the coach's wives, who I think are the best 
in, in, in all eternity <laughs> is the coach's wife get, should get all the trophies and rings that come out of each season. Uh, but, but when you see a kid like Scotland come in here, smiling for days, I mean, great personality, just an overall great young man. I watched him win a state championship last year against Myrtle Beach before they went down to 3A. And you put everything into play, and for me, you guys like him, and we could go through, again, your list, and I want you to go through the kids that ended up getting some of the belts along with, of course, the wide receiver that we talked about going to South Carolina. But, you know, the character of each one of these kids, and I mentioned yeah. the testimony that they bring, Coach, is so impressive. So could you kind of go through the kids that did receive the MVPs out of this weekend? What? Well, I do want to mention, uh, you know, you refer to uh, Shaheem Scotland out, out of Wren. And, uh, boy, he was impressive, wasn't he? He was just yes, an sir. impressive young man to talk to. Uh, I asked him about midway through the weekend. I said, have you ever had a bad day in your life? I mean, you always got a smile on your face. You're encouraging guys. You can just tell the guy loves life. And he, he, was, he was just so happy to be there. Uh, heck of a football player. He's, he's tall. He's rangy. He's, he's got some length to him. Um, he can run. He, he practicing against him for two days. He basically took away all of our RPO game uh, just by his physical presence. I, I'll tell you this: I think that uh, Charlotte's getting a steal. No disrespect, mm. but I think that guy is a dude. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think we're going to recognize him in two years. You know, once he gets uh, into their strength program and and nutrition. I think that guy's going to have a monster college career. Yeah, yeah that's the deal. When well, these guys, and you know this firsthand, Coach, because uh, you, you said this uh, when we first met you a week ago, coached at the Citadel with a legendary coach there. You coached at South Carolina State, of course, another legendary coach. And this guy that some people may know, Lou Holtz, he was at South Carolina. You were there <laughs> with him as well. So you've seen a lot of that grow. And it's funny because I say this before you get into these uh, – I believe we've got one, two, three, four guys that we'll, we'll talk a little bit about before we get you out of here. Okay. But, okay. You, you know, the difference, something happens in October to these seniors. And I've seen it with every one of them in the last 12 years. I've covered high school football almost, well, I guess 14 almost now. Well, as, as you see these kids in October, they take their helmets off and all of a sudden they've got facial hair. They didn't have it, yeah. I promise you, <laughs> going into the season. And I didn't see any in September, but about midway through as Halloween comes around, Facial hair starts to pop out, and you're thinking, it's about to happen. They're about to leave us, right. abandon us, and go to that next chapter. But then they, right. they're big, but then they leave, and, and there's a huge difference between what they learn. And not that our high school coaches and their strength conditioning coaches don't do a great job, but they have a lot more available to them at the college ranks, Coach. Uh, what is it that separates us in that, in that field? Because these kids grow and, and get twice as big and a lot stronger once they come back after that first month or two away being in college well i i truthfully uh the difference but there's just a huge difference between a 19 year old kid and a 17 year old kid bottom line 17 year old guys still developing still growing you know you get in college you're 18 you're 19 20 years old you're you're grown man and you know Mm -hmm. those guys just they blossom when they get to college um they have the they have a position coach that just focuses solely on them with his fundamentals, technique, um, the strength program, nutrition. So, you know, I think our state does a fantastic job. I think we have a really good product on Friday nights uh, 
here in South Carolina. Our our coaches do a fantastic job, and it translates because these guys come in to their programs um, with a foundation. I think that's that's a big part of it. All right, so, Coach, let's look now and go through some of these young men. I'm looking at your roster, trying to make sure I get these names right. Is that Caleb Haven down there on the ground on this pitcher from North yes. Central? Now, this kid came yes. in, and as he gets his belt, cuts a backflip. <laughs> I mean, yeah. straight up Olympic five-star gold medal backflip, but he started coming in the room uh, talking about his days because he's a wrestler on top of it. So this kid has stayed in shape after his days in high school football because he went right to the next season. But tell me a little bit about him and then kind of go through your list of the four gentlemen who walked home with some of that WWF belt. <laughs> uh, Coach Mitchell, uh, when, when uh, he signed on to be our linebacker coach, I, I told him, I said, hey, you pick your guys. And, and before he even saw the list, of uh, linebackers available, he mentioned, I would like to take the guy from North Central, Caleb Havens. And uh, so that kind of stuck out to me that uh, that Coach Mitchell already knew this guy. And then he made his presence felt in the morning practice on Friday. We were in an inside drill, and we were probably only two or three plays in. And uh, he busted through the line, and he stuck one of our running backs in the backfield. And it was a, it was a wake-up call for everybody because you could hear it. It was one of those loud collisions. It was like, okay, here we go. This isn't seven on seven or grass basketball. This is an inside drill. We're here, we're here to play some physical mm. football, and that's exactly what that guy brought to the table. I thought uh, I wouldn't want to tussle with him. I told him I told him on the bus. I said, hey man, you're one guy I wouldn't want to mess with. Uh, just so physical. Um, he'll strike you. But uh, I thought, uh, but he had a good personality and he was fun to be around. So uh, he's got a bright future ahead of him. Now let's look around here. Uh, we already talked about your wide receiver coach. Uh, kind of go through the list there because I'm trying to go through some of the numbers, but these guys have these big belts in front of them, so they kind of <laughs> cover them a little bit. But there's two more guys well, sitting here on this list. That that uh, that uh, defensive end number three is uh, Scott from Green Greenville, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll be quite honest, we couldn't block him in practice. Uh, coach Coach uh, Mitchell. And uh, the defensive staff had him coming off the edge in a wide stance and uh, wide split. I'm sorry, and he he was so explosive. He had a great first step, so it was uh, no surprise to me that uh, he stood out in the game uh, because heck, we didn't block him for two days before before. So uh, I know Greenville is uh, Greenville High School hates to lose him. But he was a he was a difference maker. So I, I, I thought uh, I thought we hit on on him for sure, and we we already. Uh, Spoke about uh, uh, about Omega Blake. I thought he did a fantastic job. You know, one of the guys that wasn't in the um, in the picture, um, but Dre Lindsey, the quarterback from Gaffney. I talked about him. You know, we can just go through the list of every position. I, I'll, I'll tell you another guy that I thought kept us in the game while we were still struggling and trying to find ourselves offensively, um, and, and we had, we had to. Uh, punt um a couple times there in the in the first half but um the young man from Christ Church I thought did a fantastic job of just keeping the other team at bay and, and making sure that we didn't lose field positions I, I thought uh Max Morgan did a fantastic job now the things that you don't think about 
you know, we right. talk about quarterbacks and quarterbacks and running backs and, and wideouts and, and all that stuff. But he kept us in the game, quite honest, so, uh, for us to be able to find ourselves just, just because he kept flipping the field with field position. Yeah, I it's totally agree bit. with you. No, and I agree with you, Coach, because I felt like both special teams guys did a great job. You mentioned, of course, Max Morgan over there. and uh, Everybody knows about Sully, what he was able to do over there for the uh, the East team. And, again, that played a big role in our junior bowl because, you know, teams kind of they, – they struggled. The offensive lines on our junior bowls kind of struggled a little bit to kind of get a little bit of uh, – uh, I'd say foot under him. I, I don't know another word yeah. to use, but that wasn't the problem for us uh, in, in these two matchups here as uh, we, we saw a couple of really big guys doing some big things. Now, is that last gentleman from Clover, is that Chance Mackey, the defensive back kid, yes. number 21? Is that yeah. him? He, now, yes. Another he, young man he, that did great. Warrior. Yeah, uh, I, we, we, had a quick, we had a quick staff meeting in between the two practices on Friday. And I just wanted to get uh, everybody's input real quick. Hey, where are we at uh, personnel-wise? Because that would affect what we want to do scheme. And, and Coach Usher immediately said, hey, we're fine out back. Uh, he, he said that uh, you know, the Mackey kid is – we don't have to worry about him. He can, he can handle one side of the field and, and we'll be okay. So, and he did. He played, he played lights out. He was, he was fantastic. Uh, I went against him in seven-on-seven throwing scale – uh, for those two practices, and uh, I knew we'd be okay out back. I, I thought he did a good job, and Coach Usher did a good job getting those guys uh, locked in and, and ready to play with just basically what two and a half hours of practice, and 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 then a few walkthroughs before we actually kicked off. Now let me ask you this, because I, I will kind of put uh, put this out here, and I did not ask the East this question. Did it help them by going to the field and, and practicing on Thursday night and, and you guys doing that stay at home and, and, and get the book part of it down pat, getting the playbook under control? Which one? I, I told you I was going to ask you this question uh, as we went to the field on Saturday, but how, how do you think it played out going forward looking back at it? No, I think uh, I think they did have a little bit of a home field advantage, but uh, there's no excuses. Uh, you know, the, the reality is they did go practice uh, that first night, but they were dodging the rain the whole time. So, right. you know, I, I don't think so, to be quite honest. Uh, I really don't. I, I thought uh, we maximized – I thought we did about as good as we could do uh, as far as our preparation. And um, we had a lot to put in. We had, uh, you know, schemes and, and what have you. Um, so I, I thought the idea of us staying at the hotel and just having position meetings, having breakout position meetings – and then we were able to actually get out in the parking lot and, and walk through some things. The rain uh, uh, let up a little bit. So, you know, I, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I would tell you. you know, and I thought about that going through. We had media night on Friday night, Coach. And uh, first of all, I want to say this. And, and, again, you ran a very tight ship when they got there on, uh, on Thursday. But I think, honestly, and Miss B will attest to this, you did, I, I thought, a very good job, as well as all of our coaches did on the Junior Bowl. And, of course, Coach Ford did it as well. But just watching the strategy, because at this point it became a game of chess, not a game of checkers, yeah. a game of chess between yeah. two great coaches and a bunch of position coaches. And it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun when you kind of put down. Now, where does this game and, and reality kind of sit with you and all the teams and games that you've coached? Where does this kind of sit with you on the memory bank? Well, it's a highlight because um... – you know, these all-star games are special because you get to be around not only all-star 
players, but also all-star coaches. So we all took something from it. So I'll remember that experience uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, and I'm not uh, just over, overstating that. I mean, it, it, uh, it was, it was a really good time. And it, it was, it was an opportunity for us to not only support, but showcase high school football here in the Midlands uh, and, and the entire state. You no, know, I had, I had from the Midlands up, we, we had from Columbia to Rock Hill and then all the ways up uh, to Tigertown. So uh, we had an opportunity to bring in a, a number of guys. And I thought they all showed up and they and, and played and did a really good job. Um, so, yeah, it was very memorable for me. I've, uh, I've got a team picture uh, that I will print and hang it in my office. And, <laughs> and hopefully that hopefully that will motivate my, my guys back home and say, yeah, uh, I'd like to play in that one day. So. It, it was it was a good time. It was a very good experience. Well, Coach, before we send you back to your family, I want to say on behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, I can speak on behalf of Ken, Ms. V, Coach B, and everybody over there at the High School Blitz. Uh, you know, we appreciate the time you gave us, the weekend away from your family as you came in here with your well, – I'll be honest with you, you look as if a, a college coach would look because you've done it before and you just came in here and implicated that personality, a lot of smiles, a lot of fun. I knew without a doubt, and I said this to Coach Ford, if I asked you for it, I got it. And that's why when you asked me for something, I looked at Ken. I said, we got to go. We got to go right now. And that was on Thursday night. So a lot of fun. I look forward to it. And, of course, uh, you know, Southern Sports Central is a huge aspect of uh, high school football across the great state of South Carolina. I want to come to your campus as uh, you go back to coaching at Heathwood Hall. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for how you ran it this weekend. I want to interview some of your players coming up this year. And if you could just open that door and let us be a part of as much as you want us to be, we'd love to talk to your kids coming up and uh, let's continue this building this relationship. Maybe send my, myself and a few of our team, a couple of those Heathwood Hall t-shirts, man. We'll, we'll, we'll walk around go. town and Fantastic. support that look. Why not? Huh? Absolutely. I've got, uh, you know, I've got two guys walking around our campus right now with the high school blitz pullovers on. So, uh, yeah, we will we'll return the favor. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, hopefully we can get you uh, on our campus maybe during the spring uh, when we have spring practice. Um, we, we, we've got uh, some good players coming up. I've got a, a really good defensive lineman who was uh, selected to play in the junior game. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to continue this relationship and build on it. And sky's the limit. Here we go. No doubt about it, Coach. Thank you so much for being a part of our show tonight. I do appreciate you. We're going to go to a top of an hour break. We went over a little bit, Coach, but thanks again. God bless. Stay safe. It is 2021, but, uh, hey, look, the mission, the vision, and all that stays the same because our game here on Southern Sports Central is just to train them up, teach them up on and off the field, Coach. But, again, thanks for your time again tonight and wishing you the best of luck in 21. You too. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Thank you. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we got a caller, so hang tight on the 843 as we'll be coming to you next. That was Coach Danny Lewis. Coach Lewis, of course, uh, the head coach of the West team right here in the uh, Epic 84 Senior Bowl, brought to you by Ken Brown and the High School Blitz, along with Ms. V, Coach B, as they did their thing, along with us here at Southern Sports Central. Of course, myself, Richie Altman. You got Eugene Benton and Everett Sands, who showed up for not one but two of them here over the – weekend now good stuff let's do this let's take a break eugene's hanging out oh look at this we're spoiled here tonight 
We are taking a break because I got some football talk with that guy as well as you're listening and being entertained by the duo Southern Sports Central. Coming up, it's hour three. You don't go anywhere. It has been a great, solid two hours, and we're into hour three as I want to bring in Eugene Benton, the other half of Southern Sports Central here on a beautiful Wednesday evening, the sixth day of uh, January here. Uh, Eugene, man, I tell you, it's been a great show. We started off, Brandon uh, was with me for the first hour, brother, where we talked a little bit about the uh, college national championship coming up on Monday. Of course, the uh, Heisman Trophy. I got some numbers here. Don't know if you saw the differential there and uh, how close it really was from second to third. And, uh, of course, uh, we talked some NFL as well, not uh, to be without top of hour two. We had Luke Morrow with uh, Morrow Middays on ESPN Radio here in Charleston. He's also the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs. Now, the Bulldogs will be playing basketball, baseball in the spring. I'm excited. We got stuff to do. We got to go to work. Going to be hopefully able to do some stuff with Southern Sports Central and the dogs over there this year. Uh, then, of course, uh, it was Coach Danny Lewis, the head coach of the West team here. And um, uh, Coach of the West team, uh, the uh, the Epic 84 Senior Bowl, of course. Uh, I, I want to say this, too. And, again, Ken Brown uh, to Miss V to Coach B, you guys did a great job uh, of, uh, of doing everything that behind the scenes, around the scenes, and on the scenes uh, this year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, partnering up with the high school blitz uh, between myself and uh, Eugene. And like I mentioned, Everett Sands, who uh, was in the booth with me both games. Eugene, of course, had uh, a pre-engagement uh, prior to this setting up because he does a lot of things uh, for Southern Sports Central in many areas, uh, as he also has his uh, his uh, kicking academy there uh, that had some things to do in uh, Atlanta. We'll talk more about that next week. But, uh, you know, it takes an army, and it really does. And I want to thank the guys at Shuts. I want to thank the guys, of course, that um, God knows if I, if I start doing it, I know I'm going to miss somebody, but Phenom Elite, 
Yeah, those guys made the jersey shirts, of course, the helmets. Um, you know, so many individual guys and girls that, that sponsored the belts. I mean, there was just, man, it was uh, a lot of respect earned from the guys that do it at the North-South game and the guys that do it, and the girls, by the way, that do it at, of course, the Shrine Bowl and any other bowl game. It doesn't just happen. Perry Parks, my friend, next year I know you're bringing your bowl game back. And uh, the Queen City Bowl, of course, uh, up in Columbia, man, goodness gracious, the work, the effort, the energy, and the the, the lack of sleep that we don't get as uh, the Zoom meetings that happened every Sunday night. But you know what? I'd go back and do it all over again just to get that one more chance to see these kids smile before their season ends. Because, again, for the seniors, we know there's a handful of them that are going to go play football at the next level. And there's been some offers given out since our game on Saturday. And I'm not going to say that our game did or did not get that opportunity. But we know this, that they got to play once again and somebody actually got a chance to, um, to, to see, uh, you know, them ball out one more time. And I thought that was a lot of fun. But for the kids who will never play again, we gave them that one more chance. I mean, you, know, you got to think not everybody won a state championship game this year. Uh, in, in public schools, there was only five teams that could win it. That means uh, there was kids on the other side who did not. Same goes for Skiza. You know, the kids that got in, uh, you know, those that won it, won it. Those who did not, well, they did not. So these kids came in and had one more chance to finish with a win. And then the question was asked to me, why did you have Skiza and public schools? Because this is what we do. We wanted to bring you the best of the best. And, and that's what I know that these coaches did. And Coach Ford, like I mentioned, and of course, you know, Coach Lewis, you know, those guys had a chance to go after and get the best of the best. And then Coach Wilcock over there and the West team that won over the uh, before the holiday Christmas break. And then Coach Smitty uh, in the East. You know, those guys, they had to go out and do something by not only selecting coaches, but these guys had to go out and select the players. And, again, I echo what I said in hour two and maybe in hour one, and I'll say it probably a lot more. It was not easy not having other bowl games played. It made it harder because there was no – yeah, there, there was no All-American Bowl. There was no Shrine Bowl. There was no North-South Bowl. Perry Parks had no Queen City Bowl. This was it. So we had the availability to every athlete. And there are a 1,000 dudes that deserve to be in this ball game and deserve to be in the one a couple weeks ago. But we could only take what we could take. We only had room for what we had room for. So we're going to try to make some things, do some things. We'll see what 2021 brings. But I promise you this is – Eugene, I welcome you to the show here tonight, man. I uh, hope all is well. Um, are you still up in Greenville, by the way, or have you made the long drive back to Charleston? No, I'm actually at the house, uh, at the home office, uh, so to speak. Uh, did did make the tra- uh, trek back, but I tell you, uh, I was riding up this morning, left here about uh, 4.45, 5 o'clock this morning, uh, and, and just that drive from here to Greenville, you get off, uh, you know, driving through the interstate, you pass right beside Hillcrest High School. Uh, I, I was diverted to some traffic, so I drove. Uh, past Malden High School, uh, you know, I was really close to Southside Christian and Greenville High School. Man, you know, and, and of course, you you know, you can't miss Dorman University when you make that trek up there. Uh, I tell you, it is when you see those places, you're just amazed at some of the schools and some of the facilities they have. But I'll tell you, man, just on, on a side note, uh, on the Atlanta trip, I reached out to a, a fellow that we've had on here on the show many times from Grayson and, and Coach uh, Walker. A uh, guy's been on the show with us, and he has some camps and things like that. We've done some things uh, when we were at the Infinity thing, and I know he's doing some uh, senior-type things to get some guys some, some offers and things like that. But So I reached out to him, and I said, hey, man, uh, there's a national competition coming up at Carrollton. 
which is a good bit on the other side of Atlanta. And he said, yeah, I know the head coach. Let me reach out to him for you. So I called the head coach and, and, you know, for the, for the competitions like this, I'm, you know, it is that time of year, even though it's in Georgia and not in South Carolina, I'm not allowed to coach kids, um, which is fine. So we just drove the bus and took them up to competition. Uh, but I reached out to him and he said, you know, if the boys want to get in and kind of stretch their legs, I know it's a long drive. You know, and we started talking about the show here at Southern Sports Central. And, and if anybody has ever seen or heard of Carrollton High School, it is a sight to be seen. It is the creme de la creme in the state of Georgia. They actually have a full 120-yard indoor practice facility. It is amazing. Their stadium's amazing. They've won a bunch of state titles and championships. And so I reached out to Coach, and he started following the show, and we were talking about the show. And uh, Coach Cooper is a great coach over there. <clears throat> um, and so basically he's like, I said, well, I can't be on the field and I can't coach, but I got some good seats in the uh, – in, in, in the uh, nice uh, chairs and had plugs to, to, you know, plug in my phone. And, you know, it was kind of a, a run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, he's showing me the facilities and everything they had there. And we talked some football and, you know, hopefully to have those guys on the show too. Because, you know, I told them, I said, we're not, you know, not just based out of South Carolina. You know, we do feature a lot of the athletes here. But, you know, we've been known to feature some of the Georgia programs. I know you have some good ties there at a big powerhouse program there in Cedar Grove. And, uh you know, we talked about the, the guys over at Grayson and things like that and met a couple other head coaches from around the area of the state of Georgia who, you know, are, you know, they go up to, I believe you said, 7A football. So I met a bunch of 5 and 6 and 7s and things like that. And uh, it, was, it was a great trip. But the, the biggest part of it for me was meeting all these head coaches from the state of Georgia and, you know, talking about the show and what we do here. And, uh, you know, so hopefully we'll be able to reach out and get those guys in and feature their programs and kind of grow you know, what we're doing. And, you know, like I said, the mission was, you know, feature programs and feature uh, student athletes. And, uh, you know, we talked about everything from the Georgia recruiting website and how those guys, you know, benefit from that. And um, just that Atlanta area and what it brings, you know, nationally for all those kids, you know, to kind of get that exposure. So it was a very informative trip. And like I said, really enjoyed meeting all those guys. Like I said, give a big shout out to Coach Cooper uh, and, and the guys over at the Carrollton program for kind of show them, you know, kind of give me the run of the mill for the facilities and get to check out everything. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I asked, I said, well, you know, how do you get an indoor facility like this? And he just kind of smiled and said, it was a private donation. So, uh, for, it, it wasn't a, a county tax thing. It was, a, a very wealthy donor in the area that just, um, believed in what they were doing and, uh, built the facilities and, uh, I tell you, when you have your own weight room in an indoor 120-yard turf uh, with nets up and everything else so you can split it in half and run offense on one side, defense on the other, it's pretty amazing to see for a high school program. Yeah, no doubt about it. Of course, Eugene does a lot of great things, not just here at Southern Sports Central, but, but of course, brought a brand with him here with his his kicking academy that he does a great job here with a lot of his players getting recognized on an all-low country football team. Uh, making a little history there with a freshman uh, on that list as well. And, of course, uh, just, you know, does the great things. Kid ain't the tallest, but he's got one of the biggest hearts. I've been around a long time. I'm glad to have him part of our family here on Southern Sports Central. You missed a great you missed a great show, brother, but but we get it. We're going into 21 with a lot of opportunities. We've been in conversation. So, you know, listen, it, it, you, you want to hang tight. I actually was in a meeting via phone uh, with, with a coach here in the low country right before I got on the radio with, with a lot of things that we're working on here coming into 21. And, uh, again, this is a conversation that started back in 2019 with other coaches. So, 
You know, we're always looking, how do we get better? You know, how do we get better? How do we grow together? Because, again, if our mission across the board and all the things that we do between any and everybody that does what we do, that we should be working together to get better together, to grow together, to get more kids seen and, and of course, heard. And, of course, anything that we can do going forward should be, I would say, endorsed. And so that's something that we're all looking forward to. How do we continue to do that here in our great state of South Carolina? Like I mentioned, you know, uh, I was asked this by Roger Lee, by the way, who uh, Dodger, the, the big Dodger Lee there, of course, as he goes by on Twitter. He's the writer for the Somerville Journal. And he asked me the same question that I, that I told the coach there just moments ago, and it was, was it easier? And I said, no, by God, no, it's not easier not having all these bowl games that, that, that they could have gone to and all these other opportunities that normally are here for them because that would have helped us because normally it's the Shrine Bowl. And then, of course, you're going to get the North-South game chosen. So that's going to take a lot of dudes off the board right there. And then we would have been able to kind of go after a few other guys that would have been just as well represented. And, again, there are guys even in the Shrine Bowl and the North-South game year after year when they do play that a lot of people say, man, they should have been on that list. You know, that's just the way it works. There's only so many rooms and so many jerseys and pads and helmets available. So with that being said, you know, I am looking forward to seeing this 2020 year, 2021 year coming up uh, because I think, honestly, uh, this class coming in, the 22 class is going to be, watch out, it's going to be very good. I don't think we're going to miss a beat on talent, as that was another thing that was asked to me, actually, by Luke Mora, who just joined us at 7. I was on his show yesterday. And he asked me that question, you know, has talent got better or worse? Where are we at right now with talent? I said, man, we're locked and loaded, brother. We per capita do what we do in the NFL by putting kids and uh, dogs out in the, in the field to hunt all day long. It's just, it, again, you, you got to be careful who you follow and who, who you listen to when it comes down to the talent that we got. I could go through this roster of 42 on the east and 42 on the west and tell you that it's the same conversation is if I would do the same in the Junior Bowl, because I got to tell you, it is a very impressive roster from east to west, as we call it here uh, in these uh, two bowl games that we did this uh, past month, I'd say, in the, in, in the what, the four weeks that we did what we did. And again, uh, for the hotels that put us up, to the communities that opened their doors, to the, to the schools that opened their facilities, to the coaches uh, that gave up their time, to the athletic directors of those facilities that said, okay, come on, to the principals, I mean, it was a, it was a full fledged deal, and in this case, coming into this game, you know, uh, COVID numbers were, were where they were, and there was conversations being had on a regular basis about every every few minutes. Man, I, I don't know what it's like to be that guy that chases hurricanes on the Weather Channel, but but it definitely felt like we were chasing, you know, a, a storm, the eye of the storm. Where was it going? And, and some numbers were high, and some were low, and and again, it, it felt every bit of like we were. We were just waiting and watching to see where this thing was going to happen. But, you know, you, you do it the right way and you, you stay prayed up, you know, things happen. And, and I thought that that was kind of the case here uh, with our show. Now, again, Eugene, I want to take one quick break because I want to break it up between now and then. And, and, and let's kind of change gears. Let's get back into some college football conversation because uh, I want to get your yeah. thoughts on it. You know, we've been uh, debating well, it a little quick, bit. Though. I've got some numbers, too. Go ahead. Well, real, real quick, something just came across the wire as I was driving back. I got uh, two important phone calls from uh, two young men here in the low country. Uh, one, uh, Matt Hoss over at Stratford High School, uh, plays for Coach Denny over at Stratford. Um, he, he called me. He and his dad is really excited. He got an invitation to go down to IMG for the uh, Coles Invitational for a sophomore 
uh, which is a big deal for the uh, Future Stars competition. And a uh, big shout-out to Matt. And it was his first national competition there in Atlanta and uh, did really well in the field goal competition. And uh, he got invited to compete down at IMG Academy, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. And uh, we talked about it, and he's going to go and represent Stratford High School and do what he can do. And I told him, I said, you'll meet some lifelong friends. You'll make some lifelong friendships, man. From, from, you know, guys just like you, sophomores from around the country that you'll compete against, you'll, you'll learn with and get some great instruction. You know, so it'll be two days of competition. So uh, congratulations to Matt, to the Stratford program and Coach Denny. Uh, kid's been working hard, man. He trained almost every day before this competition, just getting ready, getting ready. And sure enough, the invitation came through. So congrats to him. Uh, another young man that got the invite was uh, sophomore Joe Winger over at uh, Lucy Beckham High School. He's going to be representing Mount Pleasant and uh, heading down to IMG as well. So congratulations to both of those dudes. Yeah, no doubt there. Congratulations, uh, Lucy Beckham, a new a, a new kid in town. But not if you looked at some of the things they've accomplished early here in their early career or their early chapter in the world of uh, of uh, the sports world. They're continuing to do great things. As uh, Denny, by the way. Over there, uh, Coach Denny, the head coach over at Stratford, having the best season since when? 2014. That, to me, brother, is an amazing conversation in itself. Let's take a quick one. We'll reset a little bit because we're going to go backwards into the conversation of college football. we got the national championship that's going to take place on Monday. We will be live up until 730. All right, so we'll kick off at 6. We'll go dead red at 730, so an hour and a half of uh, – some prep work there. We'll uh, give you our breakdown of the game. We may have uh, – well, we will have Reginald Walker, Jr. He'll join us as well. So, well, let's take about two minutes. We'll come back, and we'll wrap it up for the final 30. If you want to join us live, do it right now. Call in 1-323-784-9681. Follow us on Twitter at SO Sports Central and on Facebook. Yep, we're over there on the book at uh, Southern Sports Central. I'm Rich Yalman. Eugene Benton has joined us for the final hour here on our Wednesday night segment. Guys, don't go anywhere. the challenge all you gotta do is leave it better than you found it it's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance i just say whatever cause there is no way you're bound everyone falls down sometimes but you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay Gotta give your feet some gravity to get you grounded 
keep good things inside your ears just like the waves and sound it and just say whatever cause there is no way you'll drown it everyone falls down sometimes but you just gotta know it'll all be fine it's okay uh-huh. it's okay everybody for the final 29 minutes of our Wednesday night show of Southern Sports Central. Richie Altman alongside Eugene Benton here for a final 30 here with you as we kind of recap tonight's show so far. We started off with myself and of course, uh, well, the man that you get a chance to hear, Brandon Biscobing on Friday mornings right here on Sports Unlimited. It's only heard here on Southern Sports Central Friday mornings from 7 to 10. A.M. as he brings in a lot of conversation, but just like he, we will do the same and we'll change our gears next week. We'll talk a lot of football in the college and uh, recapping at least uh, what it was, of course, and then uh, the NFL will continue to do their thing, but we'll welcome in some basketball. How about that? Some high school basketball coaches are excited about jumping in here with us. We'll talk to some wrestling coaches as uh, here in the low country, uh, we've got some really great wrestling programs who, uh, we just hope and pray they're going to finish their season because they just released uh, the modified version of what they're going to be doing coming up uh, in the 2021 season as they have all been, a lot of them have been stopped in their tracks out here in the low country. They are practicing or doing anything. Well, a lot of them are, but they're definitely not playing towards uh, until the end of the, towards the end of the month, but we'll talk some of that going into next week. Now, uh, of course, uh, tonight, Brandon and I did talk a lot about the Heisman trophy as you guys, uh, you saw it, Devontae Smith, the first uh, guy to win it as a receiver since uh, Desmond Howard. That was a big deal uh, as uh, he had 1856, 1,856 votes, beating out Trevor Lawrence by 669 uh, points there, and our votes, if you will. And uh, Mac Jones finishing third with uh, 57 votes behind Trevor Lawrence. That, to me, was, was the biggest shock of how close Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence was because, remember, Waddle went down early this year. He's the best receiver, even though Devontae Smith won it this year. Imagine how good Jones would be if he had Waddle and Smith. I think he's possibly number one. We'll never know. But one thing we do know is uh, the uh, quarterback from Florida had 737 votes, and it's one of those I'm just glad to be here conversations happening over there. So, again, three out of four of them out of the SEC, two of them out of Alabama, one from Florida, and, of course, the Clemson Tigers who thought they were going to be able to look at the Gamecocks this year and say, we also have a Heisman Trophy and we have a national championship. Not so fast. My friend is Lee Corso would always tell you over there on college game day, that's not the case. And for the second time 
a lot of Clemson fans not happy about a quarterback not getting that trophy. And you can go ahead down there, and, and you heard, you know, uh, two different guys on this show tonight said it was because he didn't play possibly in that Notre Dame game. And Luke was one of those guys. Brandon was the other one. And I, I don't know that. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm buying that stock. I, I don't think I am because I feel like Devontae Smith, I, I thought, played against really good defensive backs in the SEC. You know, they, they've been known to be doing that from time to time. Just to be honest, you know, we started off the year beating a, a very good dominant team out of uh, A&M, and everybody was like, oh, Rich, I thought you said A&M was good. Well, they are good. The only loss they got was to Alabama, and they should have been in a rematch version of it uh, last week. It would have been a heck of a lot better to watch the Irish just uh, do anything but look lucky. They were just lucky to be there. But, uh, you know, those are the facts and figures we'll, we'll never know about. And, of course, we talked about the national championship that's going to be happening uh, this uh, Monday night. 16,000 fans approximate in the stadium. None of them uh, will be um, general admission given tickets out by the Buckeyes. Uh, the only tickets that they're going to be handing out will be to, I would imagine, family and, and, and friends of that family. And, uh, of course, uh, the donors, those who are, of course, providing a lot of the money for the program and those inside the confines of the Buckeyes. Uh, that was something that was released out uh, over the weekend from uh, the sources from the Buckeyes. Now, um, is this what we thought it was going to be? You know, Eugene, I said this uh, with uh, both of our guests earlier. Well, one of our family members and the other one was a guest. And I said, if I looked at four tiers of three teams, first tier I had going into this year, and I had it written down, so I had to bring it back out, and it was Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. I think we talked about that earlier this year, right, going into about August. You and I were talking about the best teams in the country. I went on to say the next three tiers would be – our three teams in that tier would be Texas A&M, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. That those would be the top six teams that would be uh, the conversation. I had Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Texas A&M in the top four with Notre Dame and Oklahoma looking inside out or outside in, if you will. And the third tier – I had Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina because Mac Brown had really done a great job in 2019. I felt like he was bringing enough back to do something in 2020. Well, it didn't happen, nor did it happen for Georgia, nor did it happen for your Florida Gators. Then on the Cinderella teams, these are three teams I did not pick. I didn't have a Cinderella team, but I have about the Cincinnati, the Coastal, and the Liberties of the conversation, as that would be the Big 12, and I'm not talking the conference, I'm talking about the big 12 teams inside this year, 2020 college football season. So, Eugene, lot to digest there between the Heisman and the teams that are left in and the only two that are still in. What's your thoughts of some of the topics we talked about tonight? Well, yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, who should be in, who shouldn't, and, and we're already past that because, you know, four teams uh, played. Uh, the two advanced, you know, to the national title game, it's hard to say they're not deserving now because, you know, when it came to the Ohio State-Clemson game and there were people who didn't think Ohio State deserved to even be in it, uh, you know, they came to play when it counted and they, and, and they made the plays that counted uh, by beating Clemson. Not only did they just beat them, they beat them pretty handily. Um, you know, we talked preseason, uh, especially with uh, Reginald Walker Jr. about, you know, the talent on that team. How would they perform – you know, uh, when tested, they were tested uh, early this year and squeaked out a win against a pretty scrappy and talented uh, Indiana team. 
Uh, you know, and a lot of people thought, well, you know, it probably, I'm sure a lot of people thought it would just be an Alabama versus Clemson national final again. And uh, Ohio State said, wait a minute, you know, we got, we got ballers too. We got great coaches and, uh, you know, they put it on the field. I watched the entire game. It was uh, pretty exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to this game because I'm, you know, I, I thought Clemson's weakness this season uh, was the, if they had one, would have been the offensive line. Uh, Ohio State was able to get pressure off the front four. Uh, I don't think Alabama has the same offensive line as Clemson. I think they're a little more advanced this year in the offensive line category. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll Clemson will get the linebacker back midway through the game. That, that makes a lot of plays for them. Um, you know, uh, will, Clemson, will, will the Ohio State secondary show out uh, against those receivers from Alabama. We already know we got a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, first time we've had a receiver in many, many years there for Alabama. Uh, you know, a, a young man that, you know, he, he catches the ball and puts up a lot of touchdowns. His speech was amazing and, and very uh, inspirational to a lot of athletes out there um, about going and putting in the work. You know, might be not, might not be the biggest guy, the most talented guy, but work, 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 and, and good things will happen, you know, whether it's at Alabama or some other school. Just, you know, play your game, be you, you know, push yourself. And uh, it was a great speech and, and well-deserved by him. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to this game. There are some matchups, you know, I'm, all, I'm looking for the uh, athletic and, and very physical and strong corners from Ohio State uh, against those receivers from Alabama. Um, I think all in all, though, I think Alabama is just way too talented this year. Uh, they don't have that one loss that they've had in years past. You know, it's kind of they always kind of fall victim to a trap game, whether it be an Ole Miss or, or somebody like that. Um, so Alabama is just – they're rolling. Uh, they continue to roll. They're at full strength. Uh, will, will Fields be hurt? Will he play hurt? Uh, he certainly got hurt, and, and he played very strong as the game went on, even, even suffering – or are battling through that injury. So with uh, eight days off, you know, will he be, you know, healed up enough to make those same plays? We'll see because that Alabama defensive front is going to be not Clemson. They're a little bit better this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Very interesting conversation there by Eugene. Of course, uh, just kind of giving us his uh, 20 cent there, if you will, because you start to kind of put everything into play and you kind of uh, – uh, again, there's a lot of what ifs, could ifs, and, and what happens. But to me, you, you know, for all the craziness, isn't that weird how this works? With all the craziness, we pretty much knew Clemson was going to be a conversation, Ohio State was going to be a conversation, and Alabama. So for me, it was I know Alabama's going to be there. Who's going to be playing against Alabama? Because we saw the roster coming back into this year. Was it going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes, or was it going to be Clemson? And I think a lot of it depended on. Did did Oklahoma? Excuse me. Did Ohio State or Clemson have to play an Alabama? But if uh, if not, you know who would win out of that dogfight? And again, you know, uh, you look at a very good, well tuned, I, I would say impressive Ohio State team. I again, I said it. I'll, I'll I'll repeat it. What you said, and that is a factor that I, I don't know anybody in college football at least that would beat Alabama. But, again, I know it's 2021, but this is a 2020 roster and kind of a hangover from 2020. Anything and anything could happen going forward. Justin Fields is going to need a little bit more time uh, when it comes down to that hit that he took. And, uh, man, I tell you what, uh, that to me, he gets a character award. He threw one right after that hit that I thought 
it probably felt it all the way through his toenails that uh, the pain that he had to feel or, or not feel because of the adrenaline. And we've seen how that works out as well. Not only making headlines is, is college football, Eugene, I know you had mentioned it. We were going to try to get into it with uh, Reggie on, uh, on Monday. It didn't happen because of time frames there, but college basketball making some headlines and uh, a little different look this year. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I'll let you kind of uh, start this conversation since uh, you, you haven't been around the last couple of hours as you were getting settled and being back home. Well, I'll tell you, uh, got to be the biggest shock in it, in it. We'll do negative and positive. We'll go negative first is Kentucky. What is going on with Kentucky? Uh, last time I looked, they were one in six. I mean, what is going on with that? That's that's not John Calipari. That's not the Kentucky team that we've seen in the past. Oh gosh, I think it's the last time they started out this bad probably was never. Uh, probably the closest <laughs> to it was uh, a couple years after they won the national championship with Tubby Smith in the '90s, and uh, he was asked to go find somewhere else to to coach basketball. I think he ended up in Minnesota or somewhere right after that. Right. I don't think I don't think they'll get rid of John Calipari, but. Uh, this year, but that's a big shock to me. Uh, UNC has already dropped some some close games and some games that you know people aren't used to them uh, losing. And then you look at the positive. You know, you got a team like Wake Forest is dominating, Georgia Tech dominating, and then you know you sting the state of South Carolina. Look at Clemson finding ways to win in the ACC. Now, can they win in Chapel Hill? I think there's something like one or zero and ninety in the mm. past forty years or something in Chapel Hill. Uh, they got a game coming up in Chapel Hill, I believe, this weekend. Uh, so that'll be a, a test to show where Clemson's at. Last time I looked, I think uh, Jen pr- probably keeps me up better with uh, Clemson basketball than I follow myself. And uh, I think there's something like 9-1 and one or something like that. Uh, they just pulled out an overtime win there uh, on Tobacco Road uh, or, or uh, in Raleigh with the NC State this past weekend. So um, it should be an interesting uh uh, going forward for Clemson, can they maintain it? You know, they have started hot the past couple of years and kind of dwindled once they got into that meat of the ACC schedule. So, you know, right now they, they're they're picking up some wins, and, and that's all you got to do is keep winning, uh, get that number up around 20 wins, and uh, make a good showing in your uh, conference tournament and see what happens. Maybe maybe you'll see Clemson up in Indianapolis this year. That would be a heck of a feat. I don't, the last time we've seen teams go uh, to the Final Four – and in the uh, college national championship or playoffs goes back to the Gator days where they won a national championship basketball, won the national championship football, won the national championship in basketball, uh, back to back to back like that. So uh, giving a shout out to my Gators, but um, definitely it's, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, basketball this year because, you know, some of the uh, blue bloods don't seem to be uh, cranking out the W's like in uh, years past. Yeah, some of the blue bloods are actually becoming red bloods because they're bleeding out and not in a good way over there. Of course, you mentioned Kentucky as uh, we kind of put things in perspective. Now, we ask what's happening with this team uh, as they're three and six, visible three and six right now. And uh, even though they're two and oh, um, you know, you, you start to see they're two and oh in the conference. And they, if you look at the conference, it's kind of misleading because three and six, uh, right behind an eight and three, three and oh, Alabama. By the way, it uh, looks like that winning is uh, contagious. You mentioned Clemson, though. And, and, again, it's funny to me because Clemson fans usually went quiet this time of year and didn't tick back up until baseball season because uh, Jack Leggett's there and now Monty Lee's there. They've always had some great baseball. But 
here of late, man, I, I tell you, and they just and they wanted to fire this guy just years ago, but now he's like the the resurrected uh, the, the Clemson basketball program, as you mentioned, nine and one, they're three and one uh, there in the conversation in the ACC. Is they're they're not far back, but they're they're of course uh, winning that one uh, against the Pack seventy four seventy. You mentioned they're going to be at North Carolina, and uh, a lot of history there. They they haven't beaten. Uh, I don't know if they have they ever won a game in Chapel Hill, but if they have, it wasn't the one. And if it was then, I'm again, I should know some of this, but we're in such football mode right now, it's hard to keep up with. But that will be, I'm sure, a, a conversation to be had. But the ACC, what we have always said on this show and every show across the country, mentions what the ACC, you know, the SEC is in football, the, the ACC is in basketball because you got Louisville right now leading the ACC at eight and one. They're uh, three and zero oh in their conference play right now virginia always in the top up there here they go at uh, number 22 they're five and two now my question is this how is louisville eight and one and they're three and oh in the acc but they're not ranked in the top 25 that's kind of um 2020 ish to me duke sitting there at number three in this conference uh you know at number 21 virginia tech sitting there and then there's clemson and i believe uh and i'd have to look at some of the uh some of the standings there but are the rankings if you will but for me, you see Gonzaga, you see uh, Baylor, Villanova, Texas, and Iowa. Not one team in the S. Excuse me, the ACC, and then Kansas, Creighton Hall, Wisconsin. Look at this, Tennessee. Tennessee sitting there at seven and one with, uh, I believe Bruce. Per- Is it Bruce Pearls? He's still there, Tennessee. I believe he's still the coach over Tennessee and Michigan rounding out the top ten. Uh, Bruce um, that's, Pearl, that's no, Bruce Pearl. Remember, he got ran out of Tennessee for having. He did. That, get, uh, he's at Auburn uh, now, right? Barbecue, so he's not Auburn. Yeah, he's down at Auburn now. Yeah, he's at Auburn. Okay, okay. Well, Auburn's not playing in the top twenty-five either right now. But again, uh, you know, if Florida State's sitting there in the top twenty-five, but you know, we'll get into some basketball uh, coming up. And you mentioned they they have moved. By the way, uh, they're going to play this. Uh, the March Madness, uh, they're going to centralize it, right? And that kind of conversation that kind of came out over the weekend or on Monday, was it? Uh, I believe so. I believe it was Monday. It was either Sunday night or Monday. Right. So they're going to centralize that. You know, economically, does it make sense to some people would say, well, you're going to take money from this, this, and this. Well, are they really? Because are they even going to open up gymnasiums for fans, right? So – in a normal season, yeah, I could see some arguments, but if they're really trying to control, and I got to tell you this, uh, a team that a, a league that deserves a trophy coming out of 2020 was the NBA, and I I got to tell you they did I thought the best job of all professional sports and possibly all of sports in controlling the numbers that that seemed to, to do their season. Eugene, I mean, you saw the the major league they struggled it. We're talking in hour number one how there's already kind of a conversation with uh, the Browns, and I don't think it's going to go away. And, and my question is this: is uh, we give a trophy to the NBA in 2020 for handling, I thought better than any other uh, sports out of the three major basketball, baseball, and football. I thought basketball did the best job out of everybody. But what does it mean? Because the state of South Carolina. In high school football, if during the playoffs your team came down with COVID and you didn't have – well, here it was one and you were done. Well, there, if you don't have enough numbers to play the game, then you have to, to postpone the game. But I wonder in the playoffs, are they going to 
how are they going to drag it out? Because next weekend, we, we go to round two and then round three. There's no way they're going to drag that thing back. Or are they going to allow those guys to play in Wednesday and then turn around and play on Saturday or Sunday? Has that come out? Have you seen anything about that, Eugene? I mean, to me, it doesn't seem fair, but nothing about it's been fair, right? I mean, is it going to be an automatic forfeit if you don't have enough dogs to go to the to, to the field to play football? How does it work in, in, the, uh, in the NFL during the, uh, the playoff season? No, you know, if you look at the NFL, no, I, I don't believe, as far as I can tell, I don't believe there will be any forced forfeits. Uh, if you recall, back uh, several weeks ago when Denver played someone, uh, apparently COVID went around the quarterback room, and they started a punter in that game who had played quarterback in high school. And he was the starting punter, uh, for, I guess, uh, for his college, and also he's the punter for um, – the Denver Broncos, and he had to play quarterback in that game. I mean, this is a national football game, uh, and uh, a national, uh, you know, NFL game where you know millions and billions of dollars are at stake. And uh, they didn't start a quarterback. They well, they did. It was the punter in that game. So I can't imagine with the TV money and things tied that uh, someone would have to forfeit. Now, could there be postponements? Maybe we have seen that. We've seen teams play. You know, at 4.30 on a Tuesday afternoon, I think that was a Baltimore and somebody playing that game. Uh, I know the Patriots played some weird times this year due to COVID, uh, but I don't think there's any forfeits. I think you got to, you know, play who you have. Now, there's probably rules. I mean, look, every NFL team has a practice roster, and they can bring up guys from the practice roster. I'm sure everybody has, you know, several guys, you know, whether it be – you know, quarterbacks or receivers or whatever. Uh, the Saints, actually, they pulled up some uh, a guy from the practice roster, started first time ever, had been on the practice roster for a couple of years. I can't remember the man's name. Um, I do remember the video when he got the phone call. He was with his wife and said, I, you know, I just got called up to the show, kind of like, uh, you know, the, the uh, guys doing baseball. And uh, he ended up catching a touchdown that game. So I, I can't imagine they would do a forfeit. Uh, but, you know, these guys, you know, these teams have practice rosters. You know, these guys get paid, uh, I think it's something like uh, $12,000 a week during the season to be on the practice roster. I mean, that's a heck of a job, huh? You make about 100 and uh, – I actually did the math with uh, one of the kids the other night. We were at dinner, and I said, you know, if you just make a practice roster, you know, that's a good thing. You're making $150,000 a year uh, to be on that roster. So I'll have to look it up, and we'll do some research, but I don't think there's any forfeits now. They may move a game because it is the NFL. They know if they play an NFL game, especially a playoff game, where they play it Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday afternoon, they're going to have butts in the seats and and TV sets tuned on. So I don't think there will be any forfeits. I do think they'll do whatever they can to either bring up guys from practice rosters or or, or move things around schedule-wise. I just can't see that they they would force – not this level of competition and not with this type of – money and uh you know final outcomes on the line well let's let's see this is what i found here this again from nfl.com uh digital content editor area there nfl outlines postseason offseason COVID 19 now the 2020 nfl playoffs less than two weeks away this was evidently two weeks away commencing the league outlined postseason and offseason COVID 19 guidelines on tuesday again this came out a couple weeks ago the NFL informed the teams that daily testing and intensive protocols will be maintained throughout the playoffs, while also 
laying out the guidelines for clubs, off-season testing, workouts, rules, memos obtained by the NFL Network by one of their own. For the postseason, the NFL Management Council and NFL Players Association agreed to unlimited practice squad elevations without players having to clear waivers during 2020 postseason. Uh, This comes from a, a reporter And it goes on to say, previously, a player could only be moved to the active roster twice for a game per standard elevation. The memo also states that the daily testing and intensive protocols will continue for several days following the team's last game for the players and staff members who wish to enter the facility during the period. After the seven-day window, teams are permitted to establish their own testing. Of course, um, cadence and rules provided that they compliant with the local and state COVID-19 regulations. Again, each state holds their own uh, guidelines. Now, however, teams must follow certain requirements such as a maximum of 20 players inside the facility. Again, uh, we've got about three minutes, Eugene, uh, kind of tabled this. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned. We may have a special show tomorrow. Miss V will not be on the air tomorrow. She's actually taking tomorrow night off, but she's, well, she's tired. She's played a, a, a heck of a December game, and uh, we're giving her the night off. But we may do something. I may bring us all together. We may battle this and talk some more, man. We got a lot to go on. And we will one day wish uh, in, in about May, March, and April that we have football to talk about uh, when it comes down to some of this. So we need to take advantage of the days that God gives us to do what we do here on the broadcast. It may be a short show, maybe just two hours. But nevertheless, we'll put something together with a group of us here of an all-star crew, maybe even bring Everett Sands in. That would be cool to bring the big man out of a Tuesday night deal to a Thursday night show. But, um, again, we'll table it. We'll look into it. Eugene, research it. Of course, he is our uh, our big researcher on the team here. And, uh, again, you know, is it something that they can go get somebody off waivers, you know, right away? And I think that's what's happened. I've seen – I've heard of, of things that they're allowing them to do that normally – they don't do during a non-COVID season. So I do think they're not going to delay the game, as you saw during the season, because they have – it's like what we saw in the state of South Carolina. These games aren't just season games where they can say, well, we'll push it back. No, there's multiple games relying on that one game, as we're going to see the trifecta on Saturday and Sunday because they've added an extra uh, seed into this because up until last year it was six teams. This year it's expanded to seven teams. How convenient with COVID and all being going on. So uh, that'll do it here for tonight. Eugene, I'm glad you jumped in for the final hour. Again, you and I will touch up here after a while as we'll recap some stuff and look at what the schedule looks like tomorrow. But, again, the show must go on, as we always say, is um, we'll do something from 6 o'clock. Uh, stay tuned for how lengthy this show will be tomorrow night. And then Friday morning, you can hear Brandon Bisco Bing, who hung out with us in hour number one. He's part of our family up on the Grand Strand. As Sports Unlimited did its thing, uh, it will get back on the air starting on Friday. And then, of course, like I mentioned, Luke Morrow for the first time, Morrow Middays on ESPN. You can hear him over there uh, on his show. We'll tweet his information. He's down here in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Also the voice of the Citadel Bulldogs, where they'll be playing baseball, football, and basketball coming up in the spring. be a lot of fun covering those guys. At uh, 7.30, we heard from the head coach of the West team out of our Epic 84 Senior Bowl, brought to you by the South Carolina High School Blitz and Southern Sports Central. Two great teams put together, not just on the football field, but two great teams of the Blitz. And, of course, uh, Southern Sports Central worked hard to put this thing together, and everybody involved 
And I can't say it one more time before we turn the page, but of course, uh, Ken Brown is the, uh, the president founder over there of uh, the high school blitz. Miss V does a lot of things with the media. She also is the one who does all the paperwork over there. I call her the first lady of uh, the blitz and of course, Southern sports central, as you hear her usually on Thursday nights with us, she does an incredible job, did a great job. Coach B, uh, Coach B has done a great job. He breaks down a lot of film over there for those guys and tries to do whatever he can to help these young men uh, get to those goals and those aspirations and the dreams that they seem to want to achieve. He helps them throughout that process. And, of course, uh, Coach Twitty, uh, you know, he wasn't able to make the trip this past weekend, but uh, he does a lot of things behind the scenes as well. I don't want to leave uh, those guys out, as I want to thank my team. Of course, uh, Eugene Bitt is with us here tonight uh, for a great job. He covered all the way up to uh, this weekend where he had another uh, deal that we had him sent to. We put him to another assignment in Atlanta. But uh, he played a major role in, in putting together invites and putting together uh, a lot of things uh, and was a part of, the course, the junior game. And then Everett Sands, who uh, was in the booth with me to call both games. He lives in Columbia, so that one was easy. But then he made the road trip in the rain to hang out with me at Woodland. So, uh, for those who covered it, he had the photographers, uh, the guys who made the videos to uh, the Somerville Journal down here in the Low Country to Channel 5 for showing up. Thank you so much for the energy and the effort. For the hotel down there, uh, of course, uh, Country Inn and Suites in Somerville, great job. Hosted us, took care of us, and to the communities across the board. Thank you so much, guys. So, uh, Eugene, we'll touch base. To everybody else, God bless. Take care. And pray for our country right now, guys, because I tell you what, it's not a pretty day, but guess what? Tomorrow – we just got to be better than we were today, and it looks like tomorrow's going to be pretty easy to do that, guys. So um, all of us, to all of you, God bless. Take care. Stay safe. Stay distance, and we'll do it again tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, guys. Take care. <laughs>